0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, our topic is quantum craft, finding and handling the ripples. I think this is a really super important topic to tackle on the first day of August 2019, because this is the first day of quantum bank signups for 2020. Uh, we've already had quite a few um, signups. I don't have a number, but Jilly might. Um, and 20, so we're going to get think. started talking about 20. She said 20 so far, which is awesome which is awesome. How many did we have last year versus completion?
1: Uh, you go on it. I will get that. I'll pull up the okay. spreadsheet and look.
0: Okay. So, but you know, honestly, considering the, what we, when we first designed the quantum bang, we talked about, you know, we were looking around other bangs and the statistics and um, actual, how many stories get posted for these bangs and, you know, what the participation looks like. And so, we honestly didn't expect a whole lot of completed stories. I think we originally said we'd be happy to get ten, right? Well, I, mean, I
1: was, I was, I was. I'd be happy with ten, and I, my my mental stretch goal was that we'd get fourteen, so we could post one a day right. during the posting period. And we ended up getting twenty eight. Yeah,
0: because we had so, two for
1: each day yeah so the the signed up um we had a total of author and artist sign up the total of unique signups was 128 and the number of some people did double so that represented um 103 authors and 44 artists and then the alpha betas we had 51 people sign up as alpha beta readers so and so, you
0: guys are still on the site, even though we don't have that open right now. But the Alphabeters who signed up last year are still on the site this year.
1: Right? Yes. Okay. So, um, we didn't we didn't remove anybody's account. Uh, so, if you had an account last year, you've got one this year. But if you're planning to participate, you do need to let us know. Because you're not getting a new account. You're just telling us. I plan to participate in 2020. The o- there's there's no penalty for dropping out before the art claims, um, and the only reason there'd be a penalty for dropping out after the art claims is if you ghost us. So, um,
0: we appreciate that shit.
1: That'd be for the artist if the, if an artist drops out and ghosts us. You're not going to be able to sign up again. Um, if an author drops out after the art claims, your story's supposed to be basically done. So that's kind of a weird space, and we we need to talk about it. But people have asked about penalties for dropping out. There's no penalties for dropping out. Um, so you just you just as long as you you haven't like wasted somebody's time through the art claims, that would be an issue.
0: We don't like rudeness. Don't be rude yeah Okay, um, well, desert said we had 19. Um, I don't think Julie actually signed up, but she's definitely counting
1: herself. <laughs> I did sign up. I put myself on the list. Oh so, yeah, so I guess it's 19 because uh, a desert poet is helping me with doing the sign ups this year. so she would she was doing this right for the podcast, so she would have a better number. So yeah it, we're at right 19 right now, I guess. okay. We so also we-
0: cleaned out the blogs for those of you who are on the Quantum Bang site and you see our private um uh, uh forum. We cleaned out last year's um bang blogs and um so you guys can go, you know, put up your topic and start talking about what you're doing.
1: We didn't delete them. We just archived them. So they're still there. If you want to go back and revisit your you know how things went for you last year, they're there. But uh
0: Neither, neither one of us, um, are very interested. Someone asked in the chat room about handholding. Um, we're willing to, to, um, chat with you about your, your process. Um, but we're always willing to do that, um, about your idea. If you have questions, but neither one of us are particularly interested in policing you or micromanaging the challenge. Um, so this is really much a, pretty much a, a, a self-motivated challenge but we have lots of tools we have lots of places on the on the um, quantum bank site for you to dig in and um, get comfortable make a make a post for yourself in the coffee shop and uh, talk about your projects and see how things are gonna go and ask for feedback from other people you can um, pick up a maybe an alpha reader um, of another art author or whatever you know so
1: also I'll- A lot of people had, um, if you've already filled out the
0: form, you'll get information about your account if you haven't already got one.
1: Yeah, if you need help navigating the site, yeah, we can help you with that. Um, But also, if you, uh, a lot of people had anxiety about posting last year. So, this will be explained more on the site for the participants. But if, if posting anxiety is something that stresses you out, that stress will be gone this year. Nobody will be doing nobody will be posting this coming year. Kara and I will be handling all the posts. So because all you will have
0: is Lord. How many revisions did we have in that um optimization thing for Rough Trade? I mean for almost, Quantum Bay?
1: Almost four thousand. Yeah. So we-, we have. Well. When you figure we've got less than a hundred posts and there were four thousand revisions. So that's a lot. Um That's crazy cakes, you guys. <laughs> 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 I so I and that's a reflect I think, I, I think a reflection of people's stress and how anxious they were about it is 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 the number of revisions okay so we're gonna take that but stress what off I would also you... say,
0: what I, I would also say is that there is a big difference between posting a 5k short story and the 50k novel there is so much work that goes into a novel that You know, when someone says, oh, well, I really didn't like that, and it's like one of my 1K shorts, I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. But when someone tells me they don't like something, I put a year of my my hard blood, hard one, spinal fluid into, I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you don't like it? (laughs) I spent a whole goddamn year making that. You better
1: fucking love it. Yeah. You better want to marry it. Uh, but it's so what we're taking that stress off for people this year they will not have to worry about the posts they'll just submit the story we'll give them a variety of ways to submit in different formats you know let them be able to submit through google drive or submit through word or whatever we're going to give you ways okay so all you have to do is submit it and then you're done no muss, no fuss so for the people who were stressed out about the posting and how that went um, you will still have to go in and look at your posts when they're finished to make sure everything looks okay and that you feel, feel it's accurate. But other than that, and you know, hitting the submit button on the post when you've approved it, you're not going to have to do anything. So if, if that's a stress stressor for you and keeping you from signing up, don't let it be. And actually it shouldn't have been a stress for me last year because the offer was on the table to do the post for anybody who felt like the posting was going to stress them out. Um, like literally nobody took me up on that up front. <laughs>
0: But I, honestly, it he, would he, it would have been less stressful for us both if everyone had just sent us their files, which is why we decided to do it
1: this way this year.
0: Because
1: there were a few people who got not. into it and said, "Can you do my posts?" because it was just too And the thing is if WordPress is something you do once a year, I can understand why you're going to not remember this next year. And so it's easier just so let us do it for you. and uh, But the thing is, we don't have a way of dif- you know separating out the people who we know are good at WordPress from those who do this once a year or twice a year. So we're just going to do it all. And you'll just go in and. Um, it's just easier. It's oh, it easier true.
0: for us um, in the end because it was outrageous. But revisions on RT um, remain low because I clean RT off regularly. And so there might have been some straggling revisions like in the database from previous challenges, but not many. Because most of the time when you delete a post, it takes all the revisions with it. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that crap.
1: But part of it is when you've got a story that is when you've got when parts on Rough Trade are mm, like most people don't post more than 5k at a time okay most most people are pre- posting more between 1500 and 3000 words that usually is up and even if you go back and you edit it four times you're creating four revisions well when you've got a post that's 35,000 words somebody could be in that file for an hour they could sit there for an hour which is going to create you know what 20 auto saves yeah so Plus the length they the saves. Length, Plus their saves, right? So the length of time that people spend in a post and the size of the post. So a post that's 25,000 or 35,000 words that has 10 revisions takes up a lot more room in the database than... a, a post that's a 1,500 words, it's got four revisions. So, nobody's, believe me, nobody is saying you shouldn't go and edit your files on Rough Trade. That's not that, that bad at all. If you need to edit it, go edit it. But when you've got these enormous files, these enormous posts, because most of the posts are between 25 and 35,000 words, when they are that big and they have multiple revisions, it starts to get huge. So, which, it edit, and it's not a problem. We've we got a tool that cleans those revisions out now. So, So, yeah,
0: don't worry about it. Um, And, you know, to to give some scope, I think I had less than, I had had less than a thousand revisions on my personal site, and I've been running it since 2008. I think I had probably done some uh, clean off before, but not in a very, very, very long time. So the situation on Quantum Bang, I think not only was it a combination of other people's anxiety, um, and the auto-saves from the front-end posting, but also OCD. I have it. Jilly has it. It's a problem. It was pretty strong with our mothers. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) If you don't get that, don't worry about it. My sister has it. Um, But for me, I mean, sometimes when I'm in a post, I'll save it personally four or five times.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't like losing stuff. It drives me crazy.
0: So, yeah. I mean, so my OCD, her OCD had a party plus anxiety from the posters. We got 4,000 revisions. (laughs) A really big giant ass post. So the so the database file was like like seven or eight times bigger than it should have been. Right? Something like that. It was huge. It was ginormous. The house yeah. was like, what the
1: fuck? Well when the site <laughs> when the site when the site went down for a couple days, it was because the it was because of the revisions. They told me, and the guy kept telling me it was so funny because he kept telling me it was comment spam. I'm like, I don't have comment spam, buddy. Um none, at- not a so i was just like no and that's what happened is they had to see they had to restore the 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 database by hand it's not what's happened is if when the database gets to be over a certain size the backup utility can't restore the full file and so they have to restore it manually because the utility times out because the utility apparently is only allowed to process on a single file for so long before it skips it and moves on so it was skipping the database which is what brought the site down um so they restored it by hand and then write me and tell me that it was oversized and blah, blah, blah. I was like, but they, the guy, and the guy kept insisting it was comment spam. I'm like, it's not comment spam. And so I got this utility to analyze the database and it was post revisions. He goes, I didn't so, see you know, I wrote with his post revisions. He said, how many post revisions do you have? I said 4,000 on 2 million words. Kiss my ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last time I called the host, I got a first tier um, tech and I was talking to him about um, a particular PHP file um, that exists in WordPress. And he was like, there's, there's, there's no such file. I was like, I'm looking at it right now. Well, no, man, that doesn't work. I said, honey, we're going to need a more adult adult.
1: Could you get somebody competent on the phone, please? That'd be awesome
0: he said what I said I need you to elevate me to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about I said I'm not going to be rude I don't want to hurt your feelings but we're not on the same level and I'm not the one who's an end user so could you just elevate me up so I'm a hole for like 10 minutes and the person gets up, the, the guy gets on the, a new guy gets on the phone he's kind of he sounds really amused and he said did you tell um, your your previous tech that you needed a better adult? <laughs> I said, yeah, pretty much. I said, a am more adult adult. <laughs> I said, he wasn't adult enough. <laughs> I said, are you adult enough? He says, ma'am, I assure you I am adult enough. I was like, well. <laughs> if, you, if you say so. <laughs> Don't get sexy because this is not that kind of phone call. I'm not even paying by the minute. <laughs>
1: anyways so ripples ripples okay which is a really a very
0: um you guys hear me talking and a lot of men really enjoy speaking to me on the phone that's why my podcast audience on blog talk was 75 percent men when I'm pretty sure my minion horde is like 99% women. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you creeps. Well,
1: maybe maybe 95. <laughs> yeah, we 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 we've we branched out some.
0: We branched out a little bit. I do sound young. I sound um but then I say some really dirty things. So Yeah. anyways I think it's that Madonna whore thing I sound young and innocent but I'm not men are so easy and that's another thing about the Sims game I want to talk about it is really difficult to get a male Sim in bed and I'm like this is like not reality at all at all because when I was young and single, I never had a problem getting dick. Ever. If I wanted dick, I could call. Just just call. Like, hey, you busy? Why don't you come over to my room for a bit? <laughs> That's what it took. That's all it took. You invite a dude over to your house if you're single, you can get laid. It's not hard. I'm just saying. I have never had a man tell me no. Is that weird?
1: No. Because
0: <laughs> Either I'm dating. Either I used to know some really promiscuous men. Or. <laughs> I don't know. Jillian are you there? I'm here. Okay. I mean. Have you ever had a problem getting a man in bed? When you want it? No, no.
1: Men just aren't that picky. Well, so I'm sure some are. Um, I never encountered one. Maybe
0: it's a product of my age as well. Like, I haven't tried to do that in my 30s.
1: Well, it's probably also... Uh, women are pretty intuitive. And we don't typically hit on people who aren't receptive. True, true. So... Oh. anyway ripples should we ripple,
0: ripple it we should ripple it um how do you want to do it
1: this is um, gonna be
0: a night full of innuendo isn't it
1: <laughs> it's gonna be that it's gonna be that kind of night um and also as usual if you guys have questions while we're talking uh, because i'm not always sometimes i'm looking something up i don't always see questions that come up in the podcast chat if you would leave them leave them in the ask a question for the podcast channel even if it's about what we're saying right this minute it helps us find it and see it because I'm not always looking directly at the podcast chat. Sometimes I'm gesturing with my hands. And I'm um, writing
0: because I do a lot of um, note taking during the podcast. So sometimes I miss um, conversations that take place in the, in the chat room as well. Um, and since I don't have an idea for my quantum bang right now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this podcast will help me out.
1: So I think one of the, you know, one of the things when it comes to ripples um, One of the things I think you have to... Because uh, fix it should... We've talked about last year, we've talked about fix-its need to have some sort of entrenchment with canon. You don't have to be in canon the whole story. That's not the goal at all. Um, But either the fix needs to um, occur in canon or your story needs to like start from canon. So it's got to kind of go one way or the other, right? So either you're doing something that's kind of or sometimes both, right? So you need to see the ripple effect to fix canon, or you're you're starting from canon and you're rippling out your fix. And like I said, some people come up with ideas that fit both criteria. But if you're not, if if they're, if you're completely divorced from canon um, in your story, then that's a complete AU. And yes, there are people who do fix its incomplete AUs. But since Quantum Bang is about exploring ripples. A complete AU can kind of divorce you from having to, to do that work, which is not the challenge. So one of the things that can be an issue to me, I think, when people are looking at what their ripples are, is they're trying too hard to make aspects of canon happen. So that's like like problem number one. Identifying When you're identifying ripples, is it's like when you throw a stone in a pond and it ripples out you can't control how fast those move you can't control actually where the ripples touch you can't control what ripples touch each other it just you just kind of gotta like work through it you can't decide i'm gonna throw this stone in this pond and eventually the ripple is going to touch that tree on the other side of the lake that's very contrived and unlikely now it might it might do that but if you are determined that that's the outcome then you're not exploring the ripple. You're not exploring the consequences. You are just setting down events and deciding what's gonna happen without working through it. Um, yet, and there are some events. Yes, there are events that will still happen in Canada because they are outside of your character's control. Okay, so for instance, if, you, if Tony DiNozzo leaves NCIS, okay, even if it, or even if he's just gone if it's on another team whatever there are consequences to canon to a degree but there are things that he, his departure have no effect on would the guy who murdered somebody on a ship stop just because tony is gone no probably not so There are these outside forces in these world events are going to happen anyway, but what you have to look at when you're figuring out the consequences of your character, not being there or a character, not being there is what was he significantly impactful on? And then you have to figure out how would it have gone down differently with him, not there. Um, And it may to a degree not matter. Like if you're doing a Tony focused story and he's not at NCIS to a degree, those things don't matter. Except as they get back to him. So if you choose to take the approach. That Tony's. Tony leaves in the middle of season two. And the whole team gets blown up. In that car bomb. That Tony prevented from going off. At least enough to get them away. If if that's the course of action. If that's the, if, if that's the way you feel like. It would have been impacted by Tony not being there. Tony's eventually going to hear about that. So even if you're not focusing on the events at NC- NCIS, you still have to deal with the fact that Tony's going to hear about the team being blown up. Right? Um. Or if 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 whoever was there st- also managed to stop the bomb, what if, um, what about that naval ship at Norfolk that um, Aerie was planning to blow up? Not the whole shit, but he was just planning to hit the to target the crowd and that was in the same episode. did Did the team manage to stop Airy without Tony there? If he didn't, if they didn't, then Tony would at least have heard about a terrorist attack at the port at Norfolk, right? So
0: I'm getting a lot of dropping. I'm not sure if it's mere use. I'm going to disconnect and reconnect.
1: Is anybody in the chat room getting bleep out? I'm here now. <clears throat> okay. So there are, they, everybody's saying they're getting it. So it might be me. So I'm going to, I'll disconnect okay. and come back in. And then if we, let us know if it keeps happening and if it does, we'll bounce the server.
0: Okay. Um, but one thing I would also say about um, removing a character from events and then making the assumption that there are events that would still happen. Um, you also have to keep in mind how characters will react after your character is gone, um, during the bombing where Gibbs gets blown up and loses his memory, um, you have to ask yourself: Would he have gone into that ship if Tony wasn't there? Maybe he would have. Maybe he wouldn't have. Maybe he. If if Tony isn't on his team, what decisions do would Gibbs make differently? If Tony isn't on his team, who is? And who? And this person has influence on how the team responds, how Gibbs acts, how events go down. Because while Tony might say, "Okay, you know, or let Gibbs do whatever you want," an another SFA might take a different take on that and say, "You know what? I'm going to do that. You're going to stay here." And then there could be an argument, or you know, so you don't. So team dynamics would change. In a million ways. If Tony wasn't there. And somebody else was in his place. So you can't make the assumption. That all the events will take place the same way. Without accounting for dynamics. In the team. And how it changes. And personalities. And just how things. Um, go. Like one of the things. Um, I wrote a story called. The Unspeakable Plot. And I got a piece of feedback. Um it was really interesting. And one the the person said that he did that he didn't understand why Harry was so convinced that he would never get his son back, even if he ended up with Jilly. I mean Jill Whoa. Jenny. Jenny. You said I, I looked at your name, and it just kind of popped up. Um uh, dabbles in RPF in this in this podcast. <laughs> oh my god, what a nightmare. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, the thing is, is that even if Jenny hadn't been a nightmare and even if there hadn't been a potion situation there in Unspeakable plot, the likelihood that he, they would have been able to have sex at the exact same time they had in the past in the exact same moment and create the exact same child is less than zero. Once your character travels back in time, that li- that life they left behind, those children they might have had are lost to him. Because the likelihood of the right sperm hitting the right egg at the right moment to create that exact same child that was created before, it, it's zero. I mean, it is it is fundamentally impossible
1: it really yeah it really is because your character would have to maintain the exact same masturbatory schedule leading up to that moment of conception so even if they knew the exact moment when the conception occurred did they masturbate the exact same number of times at Before, the exact same you know, moments leading up to it do they
0: have sex as many times as they did in the past because while women we're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have men don't work that way
1: could Have worn his pants too tight a couple of times because maybe he went back in time more self confident and killed off some of his swimmers. I mean, it's
0: just killed off the swimmer that made the kid that he, you know,
1: had. It's, it's just, it's too human reproduction is not so. I mean, unless they mean that the soul, the soul of the child, but there's not going to be the exact same kid. And, and so, there's more to um, for Harry, that was still that loss, right. Is even if he knew that an in
0: unspeakable know. plot, um, his son's magical soul is it, it, it is waiting, but it won't be the same child. No, it can't be. It can't be physically. The only way he could have kept his child is if he took his child with him, and he couldn't because his child was dead. Um, and so that was uh, so those are the kind of ripples that you really have to pay attention to. When you're um, when you're working with time travel, uh, because once your character time travels, nothing will ever be the same.
1: No, the foreknowing. knowing, even if they try to do things the same, they can't. The more they know, um, it, it, well, actually, the more they change. Also, the more they change, the less they know. So there's that. Um, but. One of the things that just drives me bonkers with time travel stories is when the person travels back in time and everything, no matter what the character changes, they manage to predict when everything is going to happen. And it just doesn't work that way. This is bullshit. The more that when
0: I was plotting Unleash Your Demons, I spent so much time looking at the ripples and the ramifications of Tony's actions. um. And the potential origins of Peter Parker and the whole thing with the super soldier serum and all the things. And I was thinking, you know, you know, how likely is it that Peter Parker would get bitten by a radioactive sp- spider and turn into Spider-Man? Why would that radioactive spider do that? And then I was trying to make that work. Because one of the decisions that I made early on was that there were a couple of things that I could not take away from the characters. Um, and one of them is that Peter Parker would be Spider-Man. And then the other one is, is that no matter what Tony did, Bruce Banner and the Hulk would exist. They would coexist. Um, because when you look at the character of Bruce Banner. F- fundamentally. He's n- he's not. A whole character in canon without the Hulk. Which is why I was so. Offended by what they did in Endgame. It really messed up the dynamic. Of of who Bruce Banner is. Yeah. And in the end that, I had the same thing with. Um, James Rhodes in that. When Tony came back in time. One of the things that he thought was that he wouldn't. Give Rhodey. Um, a suit. That he would. That he would go. is it, he. That, because it, it led to him being, um, paralyzed. Um, and it really. I mean, it. In a way, destro- remade him and destroyed him at the same time. But then I thought, that's really high-handed, and you and it's not. That it wasn't a choice. I mean, yes, the technology is is Tony's, but um, Rhodey is as much War Machine as Tony is Iron Man. So you look at the characterization and you look at your ripples and you make decisions um, that fit.
1: Yeah. And sometimes when you're doing something, you go, but I really need this thing to happen. But it doesn't seem to be like logically i don't see how i can get there and that's when you call in somebody for help and say you know is there another way i can get there Um, and not somebody who's just going to validate your opinion right because that's the last thing you need with somebody stepping in to help you or to be an alpha reader or or, because sometimes alpha readers help you before your story is finished is to help you see you know yeah this is a problem or the the concept of this don't quite gel or uh and 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 then help be your sounding board for how to get there another way or do you really need that thing at all um kira and i did a lot of that in um i think i think the podcast was called the big fucking plot where i plotted the Stargate so atlantis it. thing and my whole premise was something that wouldn't have realistically happened um, my foundation, the scene that I had envisioned the story around, is is a um, was one that we ultimately agreed through working out the consequences and the ripples that it, it was um, not realistic that it would happen that way. Um, so, and sometimes that happens, you know that that the thing that you're actually think your story, you know, the the, the thing I conceived, you conceive your story around doesn't wind up making the cut because you can't logically get there and that's uh, like i said i think that episode was called the big Fucking plot but i could be wrong about that but that whole a big portion of that discussion because we were plotting we didn't intend to go there um it was it was a plot drift i think um we didn't intend to go there with okay this doesn't make sense but that's where it went and so it's a good example um in terms of plot pod plot drifts we've done Of working out the consequent logical consequences of decisions that are made and that kind of thing, time travel. We probably should do like a separate.
0: I think we do probably need to do a separate podcast on um, time travel and the impact your character can make in time travel situations, and scenarios because a lot of people, I think, they're just too married to canon. And they feel like these things must, 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 must happen
1: when they really, really, really can't. or it just doesn't make sense for them too. Um, so the po- time travels are a really bit of a different beast because you have finding the ripples of with your the issue becomes the ripples of your character, your character's foreknowledge, right? So, and which is a little bit of a different thing than than figuring out the ripples from some other kind of change. Um, which is where as a po- for foreknowledge ripples, like what what is the realistic thing? Because one of the things people often will do in the in a time travel scenario is not have their character do things that it seems like completely logical that they okay. But when it comes to um, you know you've made a change, and and what are the consequences of the change I've made? Um, for starters, you have to decide. I think it really is really important to decide. If there's a piece of canon you're attached to, you need to be honest with yourself about that up front, so that you know that that you're trying to preserve this piece of canon. And if you're not attached to any piece of canon, then be prepared to just pretend like nothing else has happened and start working through what would realistically happen from this point um and sometimes sometimes i've talked to people on occasion when they're when they're talking through like what the logical consequences of something would be and part of it is that i think that they don't know how to find the logical consequences and if thinking through the logical consequences of a change is is not your strength then you're going to need you know you're gonna need you're gonna need somebody to to work with you to have a buddy, a bounce buddy, another writer you talk to to help you figure out the logical consequences. like, well, now that they've done this, then this should happen. Um, we've done a lot of talking about in the MCU that sometimes the logical repercussions of something don't happen in the movies. Um we've had multiple podcasts where thats come up. and and, and 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 nothing is ever said about it. Like they and that, and we recognize that the reason this happens is because we've gone on a different movie. And it's a different set of writers, and they don't feel in any way beholden to keep logical continuity with what somebody else has written, which is a really shitty attitude to take. But there you have it.
0: Makes me want to stab people. That that becomes an issue. Yeah, it is obnoxious, but it's also ego. Yeah, it is also ego. And a lot of ways, I think fan fiction writers have more respect for canon in NCIS than the actual writers of the show, and in Teen Wolf. And their well, fan writers are often more concerned with continuity, with characterization, with um, with timelines. Than the pre than the so called professional writers who are working on these shows, and then it's like it becomes this thing where like, um, it's insulting to the viewer that that the viewer is just supposed to swallow th- this crap ass, um, craft and just be okay with it. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, it, that is really it is really insulting that they, especially since you know, especially with the movies like the MCU, um, you know, when they're when people are paying ten or $15, fifteen, ten to fifteen dollars to go sit in this movie, um, and it, it, it is really insulting that they can't be bothered to honor anything that was laid down in the prior movies. It's just. But sometimes, I mean, the funny thing is I've talked to people who can be, they're really, I've seen them be able to pick out the time the the continuity issues in like the MCU, but they can't do it in their own work. And that, for starters, that's something you learn to do is be more critical of your, that is being self, that is critiquing your own work. That is being able to look at it and go, this doesn't make sense, which is where you have to get past what you intend for the story and look at what you've actually are doing. And so when you're looking to find your ripples um I'm trying to think of something like concrete we can point to like when you're starting something we should probably do we should do like a, like a mini plot thing where we pick out some ripples and find figure out start with what the what ripples we would and something not time travel because well we've talked about well, that would be a separate podcast we've talked about in the past in another quantum we talked about the catalyst right so, sorry, my, I can see my voice quality, my voice connection quality went down. So I was hesitating. Um, um,
0: did you check your meter to make sure it's maxed out?
1: Yeah, no, but I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the connection go from red to me. I mean, go from green to yellow and green to yellow and green to yellow. So it's Maybe not my, you reset it's your, not,
0: your router.
1: I might. Hold on a second. I have an idea.
0: Your ISP is being an asshole to you tonight. There's her alien typing. Um, <clears throat> one of the more egregious things I see in fandom is uh, this obsession with um, keeping canon events intact um, so that they can. So here's the thing like, I think a lot of people. Um, would expect uh, certain events in the MCU to still happen in the Unleash Your Demon universe um, so that they can continue to um, demonize uh, characters they don't like anymore, specifically Captain America. Like, I probably ask the question is, why would you bother to give a character a different beginning? put him on a new path and then send him right back into that destruction and canon but you see them do it you see them do it with um with with a lot of uh different characters not just captain america you can see it's a very it's very prominent in harry potter where you'll have harry um i'm getting some weird static from her um you'll have harry uh go back uh, in time or Harry and Hermione or Harry and Draco or whatever. Yeah, I can edit that out later. Um, so, uh, they go back in time and um, it uh, now I'm getting an echo of myself.
1: <laughs> okay, so that didn't work. Let me let me go back.
0: Yeah, there's this weird static on the other end. That's better. It's gone. Um, and then like all the events of first year will take place as normal. Here's Harry Potter. Sitting in an 11 year old version of himself. Going through the motions. Not changing a damn thing. I think to myself. Why? If you weren't going to let him change anything in first year, why did you send him back in time to first year? Why bother? I'm just ask, I'm I'm asking for a friend. If you don't plan to change the events of first year, don't put your character, don't land your character in the past in first year. You need when you're when you're picking your time travel spot, you need to pick a moment of change and transition. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be boring the fuck out of your reader. Because if I want to read the Philosopher's Stone, I would just go read the Philosopher's Stone. I don't need your badly written version of it.
1: So, are we doing time travel? Sorry, I, I tried changing devices, but that didn't help. Oh, okay. Um,
0: your voice sounded much crisper that time, though.
1: It's now or before? Now. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I switched when I switched to my switched devices I had to use a different headset and you were hearing yourself because the headset I normally wear that that I bought specifically for the podcast actually is much um better mic and the headphone quality is better. So yeah, anyway, it didn't work to switch to the old headset. The
0: Just thing one, is is if Harry was smarter then Canon wouldn't take place the same way. If Harry was sorted into a different house, canon wouldn't take place the same way. He wouldn't have the same conversations. He wouldn't make the same friends. He wouldn't... um, The likelihood of Harry Potter facing that troll first year, if he's a Slytherin, is zero. The likelihood of a smart Harry Potter being friends with Ron Weasley is zero. Because Ron's an idiot. Um the fact is is if Harry comes into Hogwarts eager to learn, ready to get started, smarter than your average bear, he's not gonna be in Gryffindor.
1: Yeah. Unless
0: I mean, Dumbledore and- manipulated it. Which you can do, but then you need to
1: You gotta explain that stuff. You gotta explain it. Make it work. It, it, but like putting Harry in it, di- you know, even if you're you time travel aside, if, if you put Harry in a different house and you've got a good reason for why he's in that house and then you still have everything happen the same. Well, how does that work? So you gotta you gotta have some gotta have some reasons for these things. And um I I hear you people don't want to be told don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they gotta explain this kind of stuff. But it, it you're not well, you got it. The- you're just not going to write don't. a very good story if you don't. Yes, our suspension of disbelief is challenged. You could do what you want. We've always said that you can do what you want. But when it comes to exploring the ripple effect of what you're doing, um, but and honestly, I was talked to somebody who said that one of the things they did is they they preferred to write like put characters in completely different circumstances, and then they didn't have to worry about the ripples. No, you still got ripples. It's just you're not worried about canon. Different ripples. Different ripples. <laughs> Because there's going to be a ripple effect on your characterization. There's going to be, you know, things when things are different, they're different. Different is different.
0: I get a lot of flack for that whole thing of a long time ago on Live Journal where I said that sexuality is fundamental and that when you change someone's sexuality, it changes their characterization. Um, but it does speak to ripples because um, a character growing up gay in a world where heteronormativity is shoved in their face on a regular basis. That's not the same person that, that you get in canon.
1: No. It really isn't. Even if they have a lot of the same same traits or whatever, or maybe you could use... you explain some of their more... um aggressive traits or whatever. So like I mean I see it, it's it's almost a trope that people use um, Tony's um, sort of more outlandish behavior in flirting with women to cover up um, that he's gay. okay. Um, and the thing and is it, is that a gay
0: person grows up with different concerns and worries than a straight person does. In our society, it's just it's not the same at all. And you need to pay attention to it. That's just like the difference between a man and a woman. The the, the the fears that a man has in the world are drastically different than a woman's. My husband would never hesitate whatsoever to go to the store in the middle of the night. If he needed to be at Walmart right now, he would get in his, he would get in the car and take his butt over to Walmart. and it would never strike him as a questionable thing to do. It is eleven fifteen right now at my in the night at my home. I would not go to Walmart after eight ish this time of the year without my husband. <laughs> you're not going to catch me in a dark parking lot at night by myself. Unless I have no choice because we have a very... I don't park next to a van if I can absolutely help it. I try not to... I park close to an elevator if I can in parking garages. As close as possible. I keep my keys in my hand so I can hit the button as soon as I get to my vehicle and get in it and lock the doors. My husband's never once thought about that shit. (laughs) It's never crossed his mind. And that's the difference between being a man and a woman in our society. I mean, I would go if I had to. But I wouldn't go on a whim. And I wouldn't go unless I needed to. And I would be on high alert with probably my mace in my hand from door to door. Because that's the world we live in. That's that Margaret Atwood cl- um, quote about men and women. Um, men fear rejection from a woman and women fear um, death from the hands of a man. Like The worst thing a man can expect is rejection and the worst thing a woman can expect is murder.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just a different thing.
0: So when you write a character, um, when you do a rule 63... Hmm. Um, how do you get the number? I have to. I have to. I have to pick on that number every time. You have to keep that in mind that you're not writing just a male ver a female version of a character or a male version of a character. You are changing fundamental experiences about their life, and that changes who they are. It it it's that that's a big ripple that a lot of people ignore, or and they expect you to ignore. Um. And then get surprised when you don't. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I'm like... Oh, yeah.
1: And it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't matter. Because if somebody were to, like, challenge it and say... It is not about the gender you... It's not about the gender you... Um, your gender identity. It is, it is... If you confirm your gender when you're an adult, um, I that's... To me, that that's the done deal. Okay. You've made that choice. It's over with, right? If you, whether you say, if you say you're a man or a woman, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna check. If you say it, that's, that's sufficient for me, but because you're h- how people identify themselves is all that's all that matters, but it doesn't change the fact that people's experiences growing up are different, be they male or female. And also growing up um, trans with people calling you by the wrong gender is a different experience than somebody who is gay and somebody who grows up, um, and comes into, into pu- and, you know, goes through puberty and stuff and identifies and realizes that they're asexual has a different experience than someone who is gay or straight or anything else. Because these things, the, your experience growing up and especially through those formative years up to the, you know, the, mat- you know, when your brain is fully mature, that stuff all- It, it ma- matters- it matters. So if you if you look male, regardless of how you f- feel, you're going to have a different experience than somebody whose birth certificate is marked female and who looks female. OK, and, and let's be honest,
0: if you, if you are a white male, if you make the appearance of being a white male, you live a life of of privilege.
1: So everybody's experience is different based upon and it it is unfortunate. I will say it's unfortunate that our life experiences are different based upon how other people observe us to be. But it it's the truth. And so your experience, your experience growing up looking biologically male and people believing you to be male, it's going to be different than somebody who grows up with people believing that they're female. Now, also, but of the guy who is actually identifies as male and the man who or and the woman who just looked male until until she dealt with things or maybe didn't whatever but their experiences are also going to be different because that having that that thing that society is is dissing you for or telling you isn't valid potentially telling you that it's not real or disregarding you for or whatever those are all things that are our, our, when our inner experience our inner experience really does define us so and gender dysphoria
0: is a real thing. Body dysphoria is is something that you would have to deal with with a trans character that you need to be very genuine about, and and not shy away from. I mean, try to picture yourself, try, try to imagine yourself in a body that you don't believe is yours, that doesn't feel like yours, that you're that you're basically piloting a body that is utterly foreign to you and living with that your whole life and being told you're wrong for thinking that if you think that doesn't impact your the, the character it, the, the the person that you are that is ridiculous right. of course it does so and being told that you're gay that gay people go to hell or you know being told these things by their parents or we you know um, their parents have them in churches where they're told on a regular basis by their minister that they're probably going to go to hell because they're gay. Right? And they're dealing with this on a regular Even if the parent doesn't know that they're gay, and that, but their parent is repeatedly exposing them to emotional and what amounts to spiritual abuse. Um, those kind of situations, they create issues and problems for adults that do not go away. That will be with them their their whole life, and they change who they are. They that they impact who they become.
1: So when we talk about these things being like foundational, people just want to dismiss it and write the character exactly the same way. Um, because they do not It's just
0: disingenuous and wrong. It is. Yeah. Did you go away again?
1: No, no, no. I'm just. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm just thinking through um so i'm i'm I, I, f- from a ripple perspective there this there's something that there's sort of a sort of a half half-assed conversation i'm having in the chat room and i don't want to call anybody else we're just going to talk talk about it but there was a discussion about um someone remarked about um i'm just doing this to kind of explain some what i'm thinking and how i would approach this situation about like it's you know like set, so I can't find the original comment, but it's something about that. It's better, you know, it's easier easier to write Tony as, as bisexual um, than gay, because um, if he's flirting with all those people and leading them on, that makes that, that's a dick move. Um. And, and here's, here's there. So this is, this is, this, this is actually a good example of how to, to think about the character and what your changes, what the ripples of that are, right? So for starters, flirting, I don't think is necessarily leading people on. Uh, Flirting is not a promise, it's just flirting. Some people flirt like they breathe. I see Tony, Tony Genozo, Tony Stark, pick your Tony. Several, there are many characters who flirt very naturally, Uh, they flirt a lot. With everyone. With everyone and maybe um, even their car it, it isn't you're right it isn't <laughs> that's that's not a lead on also i don't typically think of flirting as leading people on but there is a point at which if you know you're not going to follow through that it is um yeah dean winchester is another example of flirting john Shepard. flirt 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 so it's not to me that is not any kind of a lead on flirting with people um so the question then becomes So there was a comment about but people write like Tony flirting with intent. Well, if they're writing Tony as gay and flirting with intent, then I don't know how they're conveying that he's he's flirting with intent, because it seems disingenuous and almost like unreliable narrator to have Tony flirting with the intent of, of leading somebody on when he knows he's gay. But I would also say, I have written a character, not Tony. Usually when I write Tony as being gay or bisexual, he's like all in on whatever he's he's in with but i have written a character who knew he was gay not bisexual but knew he was gay and had been in multiple relationships with women and had been um dated women and had pretty much you know b- because he was and that and the character was ethan so tony's um his uh romantic interest in the in the the for you verse um it is because Ethan couldn't didn't feel like he could afford to be gay. He was terrified of being out. That was so he pretended to be straight, for the world, for his parents, for his church, for his. Um, Don't take that bet. <laughs> what?
0: Someone said in the chat room. Five bucks says. That someone has written a story with the Impala as a character, the Impala being the the, the car from Supernatural. Um, no, don't take that bet. <laughs> There's probably a whole tag dedicated A O three Dean and his car <laughs> in various terrible ways. Okay, <clears throat> I- I'm a flirt. I'm flirty. I flirt with a lot of people. Um, I'm just, I'm just a, gen- I'm just a generally flirty person, um, but it's never with intent. So, I think a lot of times people, um, especially in NCIS, when they're writing Tony DiNozzo, that they, they mirror his behavior in canon without considering the consequences. They don't adjust his characterization to fit their circumstances because they don't want to be accused of be, of writing out of character. Well, I've got news for you. You're not a canon writer. You can't write them in character. So, so let it go. Let it go. Because you're never going to do it. But, so they, they dig deep into his 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 frat boy image in the show, and they don't. And in doing so, they lose the intimacy of his character, and they also create what Julie said, an unreliable narrator. Are you there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are we there yet? Yeah, I'm here. <clears throat> and that ends up you you get a very. Um, flat reading experience and you don't sometimes you won't even know why you didn't like something when you come out of it but he'll be but the but the character will be flat and there won't be any dynamics in the um in the in the in the construction of the character because they are 100% invested in keeping that canon characterization while they change practically everything else which is why I said you cannot make a tradi- a, a character who is considered to be straight in canon gay and not make fundamental changes to their character. It just doesn't work. It makes no sense.
1: You might... Sometimes, I think sometimes you can kind of work... Now, one of the things that comes up about NCIS is that Tony is all over the map in care, in, in canon. So that, as, as Barb pointed out, I think it was Barb up above, pointed out that NCIS can't even keep him in character. So it, you can actually just kind of, like, make some changes that the changes you're making, all they do is kind of shave off certain aspects of his personality and he can resonate as being very quote in character. It's just some of these extremes aren't there. Or you could use those extremes as a reason, as a way to explain um, like if he's hiding, if he's in the closet, you know, the extreme flirting could be a reason for that. Um, And in some
0: cases, um, gay men flirting, A lot. With women. um, Is. Practically a survival instinct. You need to keep in mind. That a a character like. um, Tony. Who's working in law enforcement. Being. Being even accused of being gay. Could be a death sentence. That's no joke. John in the military. John Shepard in the military. um, There are times. um, Where. Being gay or being thought to be gay could have gotten him killed,
1: um, yeah, and I don't even have a problem the flirt, but don't touch, I don't even agree with that because there are people who can't afford to be gay, and they they're they have their romantic um are they have sex with with women, you know, or men, whichever whichever way you swing. Um, because that's that's all that' they they don't there's are they gonna you know. Now, I, I agree that you shouldn't be leading somebody on with the whole "I love you" thing. Let's let's get married if you know you're not. But to say you can't hook up with somebody because your character's gay, they can't have sex with somebody, they can't have a fuck buddy who's female, I actually disagree. I think that, um, that I think that it's reality that 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 there are people who just feel like that they they cannot afford to. Be out about that kind of thing, and and rather than be celibate, they get it where they have sex with 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 who they're compatible with on some other level, even if they wish their partner had not. Now, granted, I would prefer personally not to be in bed with have sex with somebody who really wishes I was a dude. Okay, that would be my preference. If I knew about it, I'd be like, no, nah, baby, <laughs> you it, it that this isn't my. Tr- but if it's if it's a fuck buddy thing, I would be like, well. <sighs>
0: I can get a strap on. I mean, if that's how you want to go. <laughs> and if I were single and I met some uh, someone presenting to be male, believing themselves to be male. Um, to find out they were born female um, or born with female genitalia. I would not have a problem with it. If you don't come with a dick, store-bought is fine. But I am going to require one that's what I like.
1: There you go. <laughs> anyway, I'm, that's just, kinda, that... I'm, just, I'm just saying. But you do have to consider the consequences. Of what you're having your character do. And how you're having them. So if you're having a character. that is that is That it, you believe that they believe. That they're gay. But that they can't afford to take those kind of chances. So they only date women. Or they only fuck women. Or whatever. I actually don't think. That that's a, I wouldn't call that a dick move. I don't think it, but where it starts to start feeling disingenuous is, is that character was, was Tony gay and he got it planned to marry Wendy. That starts to feel like you should be questioning. Um. See, John
0: Shepard has a canon marriage to a woman. Um, And there are a couple of ways to address that. Um, Either he's really deeply in the closet. He's bisexual um He tried to be straight for his career or perhaps his family because that was the choice that was a choice he tried to make and um didn't do well. But you need to keep in mind that um sexuality is is on a scale that it's not some black and white issue.
1: Mm-hmm. And Otherwise, say-
0: I wouldn't identify as straight, but also kind of have a crush on Katie Lang. But you know, in my defense. <laughs> <laughs> I think Katie Lane kind of transcends gender. <laughs>
1: I don't even know. I don't well, know. <laughs> they say that when they said if they could get you know if they get people that are really honest about stuff that most people are on somewhere on the spectrum of bisexuality. That very few people are the binaries, all straight or all gay. It's a very small percentage. I mean, those are the those are the the tiny ends of the bell curve, right? So. Um, so you know what you said trying to be straight for his career that is that is a real thing that happens people do try and it's sad it it's sad that the world it is a sad reality the world forces that to happen but it doesn't make your character a dick it only makes your character potentially a dick to the person that they try to be straight with
0: it also makes them sad it does make them sad um it is a uh, that's actually one of my favorite performances um, which she did Hallelujah at two th- at the at the Olympics It's beautiful. Um, but uh it's it's sad, it's relatable, it's realistic. yeah it's the it's the human condition. So and creating situations where you have um where you have a character who who lives such a black and white life is 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 disingenuous.
1: But when you're, yeah, so when you're figuring out your character, character ripples or plot ripples or whichever ripples, you have to, you have to address, address them all. Um, one thing that can be the, you know, when it comes to handling the character ripples is to figure out one or two interpretations of your character's life story um, and whether they're bisexual or um, gay or whatever, and then work through the, the, the consequence. Like if you primarily write your character in in gay relationships, well, then you have to determine is your character act, are they gay or they identify as bisexual. Um, if and then depending upon which way you go, work through how their life what what would have been slightly different or very different or how would it have impacted somebody like Tony DiNozzo going through. Of the two Tonys, I like to write it, being gay or bisexual would have impacted Tony D'Nozzo with the, his life history a lot more than it would have impacted Tony Stark. I'm pretty sure Tony Stark almost canonically would have been in bed with men at some point. Um, And it would, because his life was already on display. Um, He was already um, uh, perceived. And it it wouldn't, I don't think that... that that would have altered things significantly for him if he had been if he had dated men in college i mean they certainly don't talk about that in canon but would it have changed anything for him if he had probably not but for tony DiNozzo, it would have changed things significantly so cuz you can't alter- a,
0: that that speaks to privilege um tony stark has a privilege that tony DiNozzo does not right and that's one of wealth and position um And personal security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's let's be real. Nobody's kicking Tony Stark's ass because he's gay. Because Happy says so. Happy's like, no, bitch, <laughs> you need well, to go.
1: <laughs> and then Tony had the suit. So, well, um, before the
0: Iron Man suit,
1: right? But I said, but then he had the suit. There was Happy, and then there was the suit. Yeah. Um, but you so you, things, but and Rhodey was very different for Rhodey if he had been gay. You know, so wealth and being a private citizen are were things that Tony would make it possible for Tony Stark to be openly gay or bisexual and not have the the ramifications, not have the potential risk that someone like Rhodey or like Tony DiNozzo would have doing those kinds of things. So, the character you write just because your character. Being gay or bisexual would have an impact on some characters more than others. If they're in law enforcement, it's going to have, a, or the military, much bigger potential impact to them than somebody who is like Tony Stark, who's wealthy and um, a private citizen. So, um, you just have to work those things out. If you change how your character grew up, uh, they grew up like Tony DiNozzo, a, a very popular trope that i really like uh is when tony is raised by his after his mother died that his mother's family raised him i love that idea uh that tony would then still so so you do that you make that foundational change and then tony still winds up going through the police academy and joining ncis really you're gonna have to work for that it doesn't it doesn't make sense in any way i can think on the surface that tony would spend you know, age eight or 12, all the way through to college in the UK, and then somehow tread In-depth the same an path. an American
0: federal agent?
1: It, tread the exact same path. It's it, it doesn't seem like that makes logical sense. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe you can make it make sense. I just can't think of how. So you just have to work through when you make these changes for your character and, and you can, and it can't be a throwaway. So like, let's say you're doing your story is starting season eight of NCIS and then you throw in a throwaway line. And to my, I'm gonna say to my knowledge, this story does not exist. So if this is a mirror of something you wrote, I'm not talking about you because I try to use examples on the podcast that I have either are amalgamations of multiple things that I've seen or are things I'm making up on the fly. So anyway, if, you have, if you're if you writing a, a story where it, Tony DiNozzo season eight-ish or whatever is um, leaving over dead air, and then you put in a throwaway line about him being raised from the age of eight in the UK by his mother's family, and he didn't return to the United States until he went to college. I'm sorry, that's a suspension of disbelief fail. Because how in the world does A, a Tony, does he walk the same path? You know, he didn't go to military academy. He didn't get abandoned in Hawaii. He didn't have all this stuff with his dad. And yet he walks the exact same path as the Tony who did. But not only that, he's got a supportive, loving backstory, supporting, loving family who care about him. And he still puts up with all of that shit for 10 years? Really? Someone mentioned
0: earlier about Tony Stark getting more flack for being having a black best friend than he would being gay. Yeah, I think about when Tony Stark was um when Tony Stark was a young man, um, it would have been um during the the height of the AIDS crisis. um, which was being called in the eighties the gay plague. Uh, there were parts of the country where um Sodomy and anal sex was was illegal merely so that they could prosecute homosexuals. Yes, in the 80s. Sodomy is still illegal in several southern states um, for that very reason. It's not prosecutable, but but those laws are still on the books. So when you think about the time period that Tony Stark would have been in his formative years... Um, Being a teenager, going to college, um, the 80s, early 90s, um, that's, yes, there probably would have been some racist shit around him having a best friend as a black man, but it would have paled in comparison to the grief he would have gotten for being gay or bisexual. Even now, coming out as gay is considered an act of bravery. Think about that. It's considered brave to come out as gay. You got to think about Stark Industries, um, the PR for his companies, the military contracts. Um, how, so there, there would be a lot to deal with that Tony would have dealt with um, during those years. Especially considering his parents were murdered around that time period as well. Um, but even now, coming out is 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 people say that's brave. It it shouldn't have to be a brave act. You shouldn't have to be brave to say to tell people who you are. But still, even today in two thousand nineteen, it is considered an act of bravery to come out.
1: So well, no, when it, when in the eighties
0: comes- and early nineties. It was even worse than yeah. it is today.
1: Well, for at that, but for somebody like Tony Stark with his privilege, I agree. I don't think he'd have caught much flack for very long for anything. But I think that definitely being gay, it, for him would have been worse. But because of his his partying and kind of the self destructive tendencies he went through in canon, um, it would have been. And because of the distance, like we talked about the privilege he had that kept him, it would have been a very difficult thing, but it wouldn't have been as bad for him as it would have been for a lot of people. And that is that is the function of privilege. And also because with with Tony, unfortunately, there's probably a degree to which, and this is I say this is unfortunate, that him sleeping with other men would not have been taken seriously. Because it would have just been looked at as just another thing that Tony's doing. Or another an act active rebellion, an act, right? An act where he's rebelling as opposed to him being honest. Um, so it's it's really unfortunate that, that it would have gone that way. But I do think that um, because of his his position and his privilege, and to some degree, also it just the way people didn't take him seriously, and that he was just seen as you know probably a spoiled rich brat or whatever. That it, he would it would have been a difficult storm for him still, but he wouldn't have had to weather a storm like um, somebody at the police academy would have had to. So. um, Yeah. There was a little
0: technical glitchy sound in the background on your mic. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so you have to keep that in mind when you're, when you're looking at characterization and not like put it, you don't want to you don't want to harp on any one thing in your story, and you don't want to soapbox too much, uh. But you but you don't need to ignore it, because when you ignore it, your your characters are flat, and your events are your you create a um. In a lot of ways, like Julia said earlier, your your character is as no longer reliable as a narrator. 'Cause you're not being genuine about who they are and how they feel. There's a scene in Unleash Your Demons where um Captain America Steve Rogers admits to to Tony that he asked Jarvis about um Tony's relationship with Loki because Steve came from a from a time in um in history where being gay was illegal and you could end up in jail for it. Um and he was worried about what would happen um, if their relationship was well-known. Um, only to find out that their relationship was well-known and there wasn't anybody, could, you know, nobody was going to be doing a damn thing to Tony Stark about it. But Steve didn't know that. Steve was looking at it from a perspective that he had when he went into the ice. Um, and, and you look at Steve Rogers as a character, and if he was gay, he was living in a society where he was not allowed to be gay. That it was illegal. And he could get put in jail for it. Or chemically castrated. Um, um, in the UK yes. Alan Turing was um, castrated. By the, by the United Kingdom's government. Or Great Britain. Um, and he basically. Was instrumental in. The end of the world war. Um, and he was chemically castrated. And he committed suicide. Because he was gay. He was chemically castrated because he was gay. He committed suicide because he was chemically castrated. Um, And that's the environment that Steve Rogers came from. Um, So. Yeah, they were nice enough just to chemically castrate him because he was a war hero. How disgusting. God, humans suck. Humans suck so much. We need... Ship off this shit hole. <laughs> Just the nice ones. We're leaving the rest of these assholes behind. We need a we need a better planet, <laughs> one not full of terrible asshole people. <clears throat> I joke, but I actually also kind of mean it. Did Jillian die? Did Jillian's might die?
1: Nope, I'm here.
0: Okay. But, um, we do need a new planet and not full of people. Just like, we could take a personality test, maybe an IQ test, because, come on. And, um, you know, no assholes allowed. I believe in nurture versus nature. So, we just take the people we can. Take some sperm. And just start over
1: um you might you might want to clarify what you mean by that you might get some angry emails otherwise because usually the nurture versus nature thing is contextually is talking about people being gay
0: oh i i mean that um i'm
1: you mean the, the assholes like, are made not born okay so yeah <laughs> she, she doesn't mean that gay is a matter of choice folks so please don't send her angry emails
0: no 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 i mean uh, I don't think you know anybody who's ever been sexually attracted to somebody that they can't stand should completely understand that you literally cannot control who you're sexually attracted to you can control what you do with that attraction if you're normal but you can't control who you're sexually attracted to you just don't you get to, to decide I'm I'm straight so if you can't decide you're straight then you can't decide you're gay it's not one way it's, its it's it's just a stupid argument. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I asked my aunt once who was saying, Well, it's a choice. I said, Well, so when did you choose to be straight? You should have seen the dirty look ooh, she had no answer for that. No, she had no answer for that because there is no answer for that. You can't have it both ways. Right.
1: No. Well, when you say that to people who who are straight, you say, "Well, when did you choose to be straight?" They'll say, "Well, that's not a choice." Aha, ha ha But being being gay is. So here, you know what's there... a
0: choice? Being an asshole. That's a choice you're making right there. Stop it.
1: Um. So when it cut character ripples can be. That's something that you know this is one of the reasons why you know you do need to like work out this kind of character stuff. This is not a pants or plotter thing, you know, working out your character. It, this is just something you got to do. Um, if you go in just blind, not having figured anything out about your character's backstory, you're going to you're going to trip and fall over characterization issues and ripples in that kind of thing like okay, so you're going to make up something about your character on the fly. And you're not going to be able to, it's not going to, it's not going to jive with what you've written. So and then
0: you're like, then it, you brought yourself into a corner and you wonder how you got there. That's how you got there.
1: So even if you even if you're pantsing, because pantsing and plotting don't this this making a character profile is really almost nothing to do. Not nothing. There are things sometimes when you're a plotter, you can work things into your character profile that that serve your plot, which you can't do if you're pantsing. Okay, but if you're if you're a pantser, you can still sit down and work out how you see your character, and then try to write consistently to what you've written in your character bio. And if you need to change something, at least you'll see it coming. You Maybe, know, hopefully, y- yeah, you'll, you'll be looking at, it. And you'll be going, well, it would serve my, it would serve my plot better if I had had my character growing up in, in New York instead of in, in, in Georgia, and, but my character bio says Georgia. And so then you make a note. Okay, I'm changing it in the story. I, I called an audible. I'm changing my character to be raised in New York. Make an editing note for yourself to make sure that there isn't anything that you wrote in so far that speaks to somebody who was raised in the South.
0: Like a preference for sweet tea.
1: Like that. Which I was raised in the South, but I, I know why I don't have a preference for sweet tea, so... I was raised. But
0: most Southerners do. And so if you have your character drinking sweet tea. And they're from New York. That's going to be like. I mean. I'm not even sure you can order sweet tea. In most restaurants in New York.
1: You probably can now. I mean. I know that in. um, In uh, Ontario. Which is right above New York. You can't get unsweetened tea. So. That's weird.
0: (laughs) So. I, I tend to order unsweet tea. Uh, because I have diabetes uh, and I sweeten with whatever artificial sweetener that they have available in a very sparse amount. Because I don't really enjoy artificial sweeteners, um, except for Splenda. Um, it's it's the least offensive of them. So that's the choice that I make. Um, but um, But the difference between like a cart and a buggy. The first time I, t- I I have an aunt who's a, from Connecticut. Um, my stepfather's a sister. Um, and I, she, we were going to, um, she took me to the grocery store with her when we were on up there on vacation. And she says, well, go get a cart. I was like, 12? And I was like, what's it?" The only carts I'd ever seen were the ones that had TVs on them in school. I'm like, what are you gonna do with a cart? <laughs> she's she's like go "Go get a shopping cart uh, she did say go get a shopping cart i thought you mean a buggy she said a what (laughs)
1: Uh, and those
0: are the kinds of linguistics things that you need to keep in mind like the difference between a cart and a buggy is there is no difference um soda versus pop versus coke because in the south all soda is coke
1: Now there, because people move around a lot, there are some things that have become less regional than other things. So these things don't need to be, like you know, spot on. Your character could have moved. So like if you're, let's say you're one of the ways you can deal with if you had a character who's living in the south, but you've never been to the south and you don't know what their colloquialisms are, have the character grow up where you are, right? So their language will fit with what is consistent with what you know. Um, my because I've lived all over the country, my language. Is a bit of a hodgepodge but you know i do know that most southerners drink sweet tea i didn't because i was raised in a house with uh, my grandfather who had juvenile onset diabetes and so there wasn't a time in my life when sugar was not carefully controlled in our house because he had terrible impulse control and uh and because he was type 1 diabetic he, his he, he'd been on insulin since he was 14 so we didn't have a lot of sweets in the house. That was just the way that was. So I never learned to appreciate sweet tea, and I think it's actually one of the most disgusting things on the planet. Because why, <laughs> why would you do that to tea? That's like a terrible <laughs> thing to do to tea. To tea is to put sugar in it. But anyway, so you um, you just have to work these things out, and then if you make a change because you didn't plot, so you pantsers, you just fix this thing later. But character ripples are can also help also inform your some of your plot stuff as well. So like if you're writing a Tony who has had a better um, life. Let's, let's say you want to have a Tony leaves um, NCIS kind of thing. And you're writing him having a more supportive group of friends or something, right? And so it's the support. The support structure is the catalyst. that They're your catalyst for why he's choosing to leave. Well that should the fact that that's your premise should inform your plot choice a little bit because he's not going to put up with NCIS for 10 years if he's got a supportive group of friends that he listens to. He's going to maybe put up with it for 2 or 3. Okay? So is he going to make it all the way to Ziva? Maybe. Definitely not past. So it, it just it becomes like when you're making these changes, so you've made a change to Tony's, you know, backstory because you want to use that as your your catalyst for Tony m- getting a move on, um, but then that becomes disingenuous if you leave him at NCIS for ten or twelve years because you're not using your own plot device.
0: I think Tony leaves is one of my favorite um, tropes in NCIS, but I would, uh, but I also really enjoy the ones. Um, like de novo, where he doesn't leave but makes changes and stands up for himself and says, No, this is not how this is going to go down. Um, this is my career we're talking about here. This is my pension, and you're not going to fuck with it. You're going to, this is so, this, this all needs to change. I like that. That's one of my favorite parts of De novo that he was like, you know what? I'm gonna own, I'm gonna own this. I'm gonna own myself and I'm gonna do this for me. I I really enjoyed that. That he didn't um I mean, I, I like the ones where he leaves, obviously. I mean, especially if he ends up in Hawaii. Um, but I really enjoy him digging in and saying, Hell no, we're not gonna do it this way. This is how it's gonna change. And I don't care if you like it, Tim. <laughs> Timmy.
1: Now you could write him going to Hawaii and being with NCIS, or you could write him going to Hawaii and not being with NCIS. But um, if he's leaving the team, um, is he staying with NCIS or no, but you just have to you just have to work out what all of this says about your character because I, I think a Tony who's made it to season eight or nine or ten, who leaves has hit his breaking point. And he's probably not going to stay at NCIS, but a, t- a, a Tony because it, he wouldn't have stayed on that team for that team for so long, if if he wasn't if there wasn't some sort of dysfunction there, with with as dysfunctional as that team is, so and especially staying without any kind of promotion or anything, there's something going on there. So I can see why, like a post dead air thing, where it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, he's going to leave. But earlier in canon, you have the option to have him stay at NCIS, or um, you know, or whatever, where he's moving on from a place of, hey, I'm ready for a promotion, you know, tap tap, where is it? I'm an excellent performer, or whatever. Um, I I I plotted a story where Tony um, finds out he's having a kid um, from a one night stand, and um, he, um, It was bringing Mike Wepler back As the head of the cold case unit in Norfolk And he requests a transfer to the cold case unit
0: I'm so excited I'm not sure what I like more I love Mike Wepler He's my favorite <laughs> I love him I lo- I'm looking forward to the moment When Mike Wepler meets
1: Gibbs <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Especially because Mike will be Gibbs' boss Direct right? boss Direct I could forward to something more if I tried. I'm so excited. Mike Wepler versus
0: Gibbs. If I have a Gibbs that comes back from hiatus, because he's a super special kind of asshole that first, <laughs> that first year back, it's just like, it's ugly. Yeah.
1: Well, and you gotta remember, at that stage, in De Novo in the sequel, um, Mike is, um, so this is... So this is like finding the ripples, right? Gibbs, Gibbs doesn't have the power that he thinks he has because his power was always in what Jenny would do for him and what SecNav would do for him. So a lot... The things that changed while he was gone was Ziva's espionage come becoming uncovered and Jenny nearly torching her own career. And Jenny is basically the director only because um, sec didn't want a scandal that's simply the only reason he didn't get rid of her be, uh, when he f- found out about when the whole clusterfuck with ziva happened so gibbs is going to come back and think he can go around mike and go to jenny or go to Secnav and find out that he really can't that those that that, that leverage doesn't exist for him anymore because jenny doesn't have the power that she used to have she doesn't have the clout to just be able to do whatever gibbs wants even if she were so inclined to do that which she the way i wrote jenny she wouldn't be uh, but sec also had to deal whether a, a political storm over the, the whole espionage thing with, with ziva and he's going to be disinclined because he he has to know that jenny and it, it, rightly so in de novo he blames jenny and gibbs for that situation occurring with ziva and He's going to be disinclined to pull any strings for Gibbs. So Gibbs is going to have to deal with his new boss, which is Mike, whether he likes it or not.
0: And I feel like Mike already isn't impressed with Gibbs. Oh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, he's like, like, Gibbs is already in the negative numbers. <laughs> When it comes to Mike Wepler. and I, I am, I am one hundred and ten percent on board with it. I can't wait; it'll be really exciting.
1: Yeah, so I decided to use Mike again for another story, where because Mike in in Denova, I'm, I'm picking up picking that thread in Denova. I mentioned because I'm always interested in the sliding doors element of things, right? But I mentioned that um, Mike had tried to get to Tony for the cold case unit, and it had been ignored. Uh, it hadn't even passed on to Tony. The offer hadn't even been passed on because Tony was perceived as, and his function, um, his his value, the value he was perceived as having was in keeping Gibbs contained and in being a filter for Gibbs and, and other law enforcement. So it wasn't even passed on to Tony that the cold case unit had wanted him. So, um, and so the idea here is that what if that is there in his file and tony's looking at opportunities and it's pointed out to him that the cold case unit has wanted to recruit him and so he reaches out because he's he's having a kid and he's gonna wind up being a single parent and um so he goes and works cold cases instead of gets off the mcrt so you know but that is something that you have to um you're, when you're working on the ripples and what you're what you're going to do with a character, you have to decide what what is the essence of their character, and then look at with this thing I'm doing. There's a lot of things that I've seen people try to do in NCIS that they don't they don't it doesn't make sense to have them occur as late in canon as they have them positioned, because it's like well what they don't give any any basis for why Tony suddenly got fed up. It's just that was enough. So, and I actually, the funny thing is, I saw one, I read a story where Tony got fed up. But the author, it's like they could, t- they knew that Tony being fed up in season eight was bullshit, that it would have happened, this would have happened sooner if Tony got fed up with this behavior. So they had Tony getting fed up in like in season three, I think, or something like that. But they wanted Tony to be banging. McGarrett, which I'm all on board with, except McGarrett wasn't in Hawaii for five more years. So they just moved the timeline. Except that's the same fucking universe, folks. Can't do that. <laughs> uh. You can move it, you can move the timeline. You can if the universes aren't the same, you know? But it's like it's like we've talked about this classic example. You cannot move Stargate Atlantis where those events into a different part of the SG-1 timeline. They're too connected. Now, granted, SGA and SG-1 are more connected than Hawaii 5.0 and the NCIS, but not by a ton. <laughs> so you just have to consider the ramifications of the changes you're making. So in that case, I would call that a fail- failure to con to consider the ramifications of the fact that NCIS and Hawaii 5.0 are in the same universe. And so you can't just jack the timeline up for five years. If you want a season three Tony to be begging as you know Steve McGarrett, then it needs to be while Steve's at SEAL. That's just the way that has to go. Which happen. is not
0: which is a great option. I don't know why that wasn't an option. I mean, that's a great option. You don't need... Because honestly, if Steve is a SEAL, he's kind of free of other responsibilities. There's no team in Hawaii. There's no task force to deal with. His dad's still alive. His sister's still being crazy in California. This is a freewheeling Steve McGarrett who's a hot-ass Navy SEAL who doesn't have anything else on his his plate. But what the Navy tells him to do and banging Tony DiNozzo. How
1: is this a problem? It's not. (sighs) (laughs)
0: <sighs> <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm asking for a friend. But this, How is this a problem? <laughs> but this
1: is a case of where an author is attached to Steve in canon. Steve as the head of the task force. Okay? And you've got right. to recognize your attachments. That's that's really key to finding some of your ripples, right? Because if, you're, if you have attachments to elements in canon, like Steve being the head of the task force that's going to affect you from seeing the ripples because you don't want to see it. So you got to be able to look at the Canon, Canon objectively and what you're doing. Um,
0: now there's different. Uh, someone, someone mentioned earlier that uh, the Norbert subplot in um, Harry Potter and how um a lot of writers keep it in. When circumstances just don't really allow for it. Like say for instance. Um, Harry had been raised by Sirius Black. And Sirius Black is the head of the DMLE. Harry finds out. the Hagrid's got an illegal dragon. At Hogwarts. And his dad. Is basically. The top law enforcement officer. In Magical Britain. And he doesn't contact his dad for help. He knows his dad well enough to know that Sirius could come get this dragon, not get Hagrid in trouble, and get this dragon off the school property before it kills somebody. So, that whole thing with him sneaking this little dragon out through the castle. And seriously, seriously, if those assholes could fly to the freaking astronomy tower, why couldn't they fly into the forest? Like right there behind Hagrid's hut mm-hmm. to get the goddamn dragon. I'm asking for a friend. I'm going to subtitle this podcast. That I'm asking
1: for a friend, <laughs> but it's just you've got to consider the, these these ramifications of like you've made this choice or whatever, and sometimes your ramifications are complete are, are in canon. They're in the plot. They're they're in the plot of what's happened in canon. Um, and sometimes the ripples or ramifications are in your character. So if you're taking your character completely out of the can- their canon and circumstances, like some some shit went down in canon and that is your catalyst, like dead air, for Tony leaving, okay? Peachy Keen Jelly Bean, that is a great catalyst for Tony to be off, you know, exploring the wilds of Hawaii. Hint, hint. But then your ramif- ripples and your ramifications start to come into. from a a character perspective, right? So Tony's gone. What kind of character is he? What kind of man is he? What kind of choices would he make? What kind of career would he choose? Um, So like Tony leaving NCIS and getting involved in something illegal? Is that the character you're writing? It's pretty... um, It's kind of... I, I just don't see him that way, but I mean... If you can come up with a way to um, explain it, then you know by all means. But you're going to have to with somebody like Tony Dinozzo, you're going to have to come up with an explanation for why he would leave NCIS and become a criminal. Can't just you can't just hand wave that away. Well, you can, but, but it would be dumb. It it it's bad character craft, very bad. Somebody does not spend that much of their life on law and order and then just become a criminal on a whim. And they don't just become a, cri- and, and or go bang criminals. That's another thing I see is that Tony leaves and he goes and gets involved with a criminal. And it's like, I guess the rationale is because Tony's not committing illegal acts. It doesn't matter that he's fucking somebody who's committing illegal acts. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on. And, and you can't say, and even to you, and it also, this is where it becomes also disingenuous. Tony, Tony didn't know. He didn't know. Tony, who has been betrayed right, left, and center by people he trusted, didn't know. He didn't run a background check on this person. He didn't find out that there are wa- wants and warrants for this guy or that he's been arrested six times for drug dealing or whatever. He didn't know. Um,
0: the only thing I think worse that I've seen in NCIS fanfiction that maybe I nope out so hard was Tony in a physically abusive relationship, a domestic one. And the author blamed Gibbs's treatment of him at work for Tony accepting it in private. I can I can see your face from here.
1: Well, but Tony, people like to put Tony in the role of victim. So
0: I have I have rarely noped out of a fic that didn't have something um, sexually hinky in it so fast in my life. Because most of the time, when I nope out of something, it's because I'm I I encounter an unexpected consent issue, or I get surprised by something really d- deeply disturbing, nasty, like pedophilia. Um, but that was like. Are you fucking serious? Now I have a real problem with the physical abuse that takes place in canon and in the work setting. If my boss slapped me in the head once, he would do it once.
1: Yeah, that'd be all. That'd be all. All she wrote.
0: Fuck no. Hell no. Tony honestly should have quit the day it happened. Yeah.
1: Well, he, but uh, he wasn't... It he was, does
0: not translate to accepting getting beat up by your boyfriend on a regular basis. Those two do not equate. Yeah. The thing the thing at work is disrespectful. It's disrespectful, it's demoralizing, and it's degrading. Um,
1: it's not actually damaging. It's, it's not physically actually damaging. If it was, Because I don't believe for a second if he was actually being harmed by that. Um, now I did read a story uh, Actually there's more than one And I'm probably conflating Stories that have done this Where Tony moved at the wrong moment And turned into the hit Because he didn't know it was coming Which actually it's against my head canon That Tony ever doesn't know that that's coming But whatever um, But um, And he got hurt And it was the end of the head slaps because it's like through everybody that it had gotten basically gone, gone awry, which is a realist uh, sort of a realistic exploration of that.
0: Because
1: that, that thing is, when I
0: read one once where Gibbs didn't know that Tony had a concussion and he hit him in the back of the head, and um, Tony um like passed out or. um. Like, it made his concussion, like, really, really, really worse or something. I don't remember the context, but it was interesting.
1: I don't know that I've read. I don't think I've read that one. I read, uh, I've read, read a lot of NCAA stories. That one doesn't sound familiar. Uh, but when you're doing stuff like... Somebody can be a victim of a crime and not be, like, a professional victim. And the, Tony's often written, like, like the, a constant perpetual victim. And it's just, it's really... You, you got to look at what it says about the character that they just keep putting up with that stuff. So, um, when you, when you're writing and you're working on your ripple ripples for your, what your character would and wouldn't do. And yes, sometimes Canon provides some contradiction that you have to deal with to decide which interpretation you're going to go with of a character, but you need to go with the one that is consistent with how you develop the character, um, Okay, so Rogue's saying that Yanagiwa um, wrote a story like that where Gibbs slapped him, but it was because Gibbs had slapped him, I guess, and Tony turned or he moved and he got got it in the face instead of on the back of the head. And getting slapped in the face is, would be, is a jarring experience. Um,
0: it's an infuriating experience. It's happened to me once in my life, and I punched the person who did it. I punched them in the face. I actually um fractured one of my fingers because I hit them so hard. I it was just like an instinct. It was like a I don't even remember actually doing it. You know what I mean? It was just like it was so I don't actually know what hurt worse, my hand or my face, because they had because it happened almost like at the same time. Does that make any sense at all? It was just like it was such a it was such an instinctual response on my part that I don't really remember deciding to hit them back.
1: Yeah, so being being slapped in the face can be it, it's not an experience that you would just shake off and have no reaction to. So if you have ever been slapped in the face, don't seek this experience out. But it is. Um, not something that people would just shake off and have no reaction to. So, and it could be startling for both parties if Gibbs is used to smacking Tony in the back of the head, and Tony doesn't see it coming, and he turns and he gets that in the face. That would should I kind of want to read that story. I'm not sure if
0: I've read it yet. So I'd like to read it. Yeah, unless it has something else in it that's triggery.
1: Yeah, but when it comes to I I don't I may have read that one, but. Uh, like I said, I could be compl- conflating um, multiple stories I've read. So
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I do that a lot, too. I read a lot, so a lot of times it just comes in.
1: Especially if I'm reading, like, along the lines of a trope. Like, you know, like, I will read, like, post-Civil War Team Iron Man stories. And I'll read, like, 15 of them in a row they all start to feel like the same story. And if I, and one time I did describe a story to somebody that I was looking for and I was describing four separate stories. So (laughs) I've been there, done that. (laughs) um, But you know, I was reading a story. I don't remember when it was a little while ago. And it's a character set on revenge, which I actually didn't have a problem with the revenge part. Okay. Cause I, I read in a lot of fandoms where things are done to characters that they should just say no. You know these characters need to stand up and say "fuck this," okay? But so sometimes you go past "fuck this," and then you and it, you don't do it, do it in a timely fashion, and you come in and you're going to get revenge, okay? And and the thing about revenge stories, okay? And I don't mind people the character who's been pushed too far. I don't mind people writing a little bit dark. I don't mind, um, but you gotta you gotta watch you gotta watch your what your dark character does, right? So your character's a little bit dark and they basically are arranging what is basically, let's say, a spree of justice to be rained down. So sort of like sort of like what uh Lady Holder did with her, I think it's an EAD story that she posted for EAD, if I'm wrong about that. It's the it may even be called earthquakes. I'm not on her site, so I can't look it up right now. But yeah, I think that was an EAD fix. Yeah, so so Gibbs gets killed in her story. And Tony just reigns... He arranges to have everybody who was complicit... Um, their their secrets get exposed, basically. And it's just... He's raining down um, a... It is a fiery reign of justice all over anybody who had anything... Whatsoever to do with Gibbs getting killed. So... That is... Okay, so good. So let's say you're taking that approach, right? So I'm reading a story. It's kind of that kind of approach. Um, If someone could grab the link from her site, um, I'll put it in the podcast link library afterward. But if you're taking that kind of approach to the thing, you gotta be careful about what the revenge, I don't care how dark you're writing them. You gotta be careful about what your revenge says about your character because people's fundamental character doesn't there's there's some things that are fundamental to somebody. So in this kit, in this story, one of the only one, but one of the people that this character was getting revenge on, um, on like I said, only one. He took this character and sold them into slavery. <gasps> and it was towards the end of the story, and and there was even, um. There was, there was a one line, I won't say what the one line was, but there was one line that basically implicated that it was, this wasn't just slavery. This was also that it was it was understood that this character was going to be raped a lot. Um, I noped out and I asked the person who had recommended the story to me about, about this because they didn't mention the whole rape aspect thing. They said, well, there's not any rape in the story. I said, well, it's heavily implied that this character is going to get raped for the rest of their life. And so I was pretty unhappy about this this aspect, and I said, "Did this happen to anybody else?" Because there were still a few people on the on the revenge list at the point this happened, and they told me what happened. The rest of the story. No, it's just this one character. This one character. The one female character. Yes, the one female character that was on the revenge list was the one targeted for a lifetime of rape. Um, What does that say? And the thing is, that doesn't say anything about the character that was being it doesn't say anything about the character who who is targeted for this revenge it really doesn't it says something about the character who who so that is you got to think about what that says about your main character what does that say about the character who's enacting this revenge so in, in if lady holder didn't write this but if she had written that in her story where Part of Tony Dinozzo's revenge was that somebody got sold into slavery on another planet, and she didn't write that, folks. I'm using her illustratively because I very much enjoyed her story. It it ceases to say anything about the character that is sold into slavery, and it says something about Tony. Something very. I call her
0: house and be like, "Dude, is is there a problem?
1: Do we need to talk?
0: (laughs) Do we have a really long talk?" Lady Holder wouldn't do that. Because she understands the ramifications of those character choices.
1: Um. Okay, it is called Earthquakes. Um, thank you, Shadow. I will put that in the link library. It is a very entertaining, uh, a little bit of a dark, bitter edge to it. Of course, nothing wrong with being a little bitter when when somebody somebody dies. Sometimes um. you just
0: gotta be a little bitter. i mean i appreciate the scorched earth plot line as long as it doesn't cross their lines right and i'm saying that as someone who wrote a fic where i actually kept the database of people who hadn't died yet um and then i also kept a list of how they died
1: Uh, but and the thing is there was kind of like there was also this attitude in the story of like a moral high ground because the character hadn't killed anybody um, I don't actually consider not killing people who deserve that much revenge, because revenge was warranted. But it's not a moral high ground not to kill people when you're putting people in, when you're, when you're selling people into slavery, when you've turned your main character into a sl- slaver. That's just... Slaver. Here's the
0: thing. Um, I'm going to be perfectly blunt with you. Uh, slavery and rape are worse than murder. I would rather be killed outright then put into slavery. And rape was a crime with no end. And so is slavery.
1: So, and you can't and, and when you're used when it comes to slavery, you can't just you can't use the argument there's no going to be no, no rape, it doesn't matter, just don't. Just um So, that I I find that to be a a failure of considering the ripple a consequence of what they were doing when they made that choice as part of the revenge of selling somebody into slavery. Um, Not that this character had any legal foundation or right to sell somebody into slavery, but it didn't stop them. So it says a lot of... It said a lot of negative things about this character that we're supposed to be perceiving positively. Like I said, like Kira said, I don't have a problem with Scorched Earth. I Kill them all if they've earned it. But you just... Your character can't some ethical lines that you just don't want your character to cross, even if you're writing them as a dark character and you can't even then say, oh well, but but they are not the one that actually did the rape well, actually, in my opinion, they're just as guilty so they they wrote you know, you wrote this character as a rapist and that's going beyond dark because conspiring to have somebody else raped is the same thing so. Um so that kind of thing you have to be careful when you are especially if you're writing a, care- a story where you're going like I have I would have no problems like if you want to write a, a story where uh you go away from it, it's like Tony Stark is going to you know rain hellfire on um the other avengers after uh after civil after civil war the thing is you know he doesn't need much more than his connections and the truth To make the rest of their lives miserable. He doesn't need to manufacture anything. He's got. And from my perspective. He's got the truth on his side. And I don't care what your perspective on that is. Um, Steve Rogers lied to Tony Stark. While using his money to find Bucky Barnes. End of story. Okay. So Tony's got the truth on his side. He's got the information. And he's got the connections. To make sure that truth gets out there. And is perceived the way he wants it to be perceived. And sometimes the truth is all you need. To ruin somebody's life. So, um, put him in jail, um, whatever, I don't care, but just, I don't mind an angry, bitter character sometimes, I do mind a character that is doing really ugly things.
0: But you don't want to end up bashing your, your character in their pursuit of justice, and that's, I think that happens a lot in NCIS,
1: Yeah, it's like turning Tony into a traitor. Now, the last time we had this conversation, somebody did write me and say that I had had Tony commit treason, too, with revealing information, which isn't true. Tony gave information to the FBI. He did not give it to a reporter he did not give it to the general public. He did not give it to WikiLeaks. He gave it to the FBI, who has the jurisdiction to investigate the crime. Now, yes, he was mad. And yes, he was doing it for revenge. But he still gave it to the agency that had the jurisdiction to investigate the espionage.
0: Who would have been responsible for it.
1: So it really isn't the same thing as giving it to a private citizen or to WikiLeaks or... Um, But that there are a lot of
0: NCIS fix where Tony as Tony's leaving, he's like passing data to a reporter, like that wouldn't get him arrested and put in jail for the rest of his life. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Are you serious? There are laws that protect um, whistleblowers. Um, they exist. It's not a theory. They actually exist. Um, there are situations where people. Whistleblow in a way that is not legal;
1: mm-hmm. it
0: gets him in trouble. And,
1: and the thing is, if I mean, if if, if, Tony, if you're writing, Tony as a whistleblower, and he has to go to a reporter or something like that for whatever reason, he he needs to have tried something else first. The reporter can't be his first line. The reporter or WikiLeaks or whatever can't be his first thing he tries. You know, if 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 you if you hit a, if you hit a, a roadblock and the first thing you do is is potentially commit treason you release classified information to a reporter that i don't know that you can call that whistleblowing
0: i think that's something else i think that um well it's treason is what it is and there is a difference between whistleblowing and treason. in treason
1: so i mean if it, now, if you want to write a Tony who's a whistleblower, you would need to write do some investigation into the laws and what he what 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 he's not allowed to do no matter what, and um, what he needs to have done. Um, and and this is like I mean I don't like to get into projects that are in, in, intensely research heavy, so I wouldn't personally do this kind of thing. Um, it yeah, is I,
0: con- yeah, it is contrary to Tony's characterization. He he he's he has the ability to be very subtle. And um, he's very savvy, so I think that it's
1: um. Dark says blunt force is rarely his method. I think that's absolutely true. Now, in the story, I had him release the information to the FBI. That was fairly blunt for him, but in general, that really wasn't what he did. Was he did he he used procedure as a weapon in that in that Which instance? Which is beautiful.
0: Is beautiful. When you can use the rules to screw somebody, it's just
1: <sighs> a procedure says this case should have been handed a long time ago off to the FBI. I'm just doing it now. You know? Just doing my
0: job. So what I get paid for around
1: here. Yeah, that's 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 not information um Tony giving information to a reporter that has not got anything to do with his own career and his own duty oath, um, it, yeah, it would be completely different. Um, well, I don't know that I don't know that that's the case of being blunt. I think that using the media in the, in a, in a, in some circumstances, as long as he's not committing treason, is actually can be pretty nuanced, right? Um,
0: in a situation where tony is like you know honestly in a situation where tony is in great britain and he uses the media he uses information that he gained from the ministry um no matter how he gained it it actually it wouldn't be considered treason but it could be considered espionage
1: do you think? Do you think that uh, magical Britain knows that word?
0: <laughs> I'm just saying that it could be considered espionage. I mean, at the at the minimum, right? I mean, that would be like. But it's well, but, also kind of funny, right? Because, it is, that, you
1: know. Well, because considering it that... would be
0: treason, because it's not his government. It's not his government's information. He's not required to keep that secret. If he stole information from the Ministry of Magic, I'd be really interested to know how he did it. Um, it would be considered. A, a form of espionage, if they considered the information um, classified or private or super secret or whatever, in you know language they might have used.
1: Anyway, so you've got um, you've got to consider what kind of like I some characters are blunt instruments and some characters are more nuanced, right? So a, a Tony Dinozzo bent on revenge is probably going to be true to his character a little bit more nuanced about it he steve mcgarrett bent on revenge is not
0: a grenade in the the, he keeps the grenade in the glove box
1: right i mean that's
0: (laughs) pretty much sums up mcgarrett's character he keeps a a live grenade in his in in his glove box
1: i mean (laughs) so denozo is going to be nuanced about revenge and mcgarrett's a blood instrument that's because that's that's their personalities um so it's it's just you know you got to consider all these factors when you're deciding how your character is going to do something and if you're thinking i don't care how angry and dark your character is i mean like the darkest kira's ever um written harry potter's probably is Maybe it is darkly loyal. You may have written him darker. I don't know. It all it all depends on how you perceive dark. But they basically go on a murder spree. So
0: I think it probably yeah. That's probably the darkest I've ever written. Harry Potter is, is darkly loyal. I mean, okay, I, so, I wrote him literally as the personification of death. So, so she could get say darker than that.
1: So she could say this is dark Harry, right? She could say I'm writing Harry dark. It doesn't mean that she's gonna characterize him in such a way that. Um, Harry would sell Ginny Weasley to Death Eaters as a as a party favor. That's gross.
0: He's not he he is dark, but he's not monstrous,
1: right? And that's that is a, There's a difference between dark and monstrous. So you have to be careful when you're making these kinds of decisions. Um, you know what it says about the, your 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 protagonist. I just I, I can't even with some people, you know. So those are like when you're looking for. I think one of the things people often ask me when they're like about finding the ripple effect is like, well, how do I find the ripple? How do I find what the ripple is? And the truth is, well, for starters, that's something that comes with practice, but you should figure everything is a ripple. Everything. It's, it all is. Every decision you make is gonna, should, should have consequences. And if it doesn't, okay, if it doesn't have any consequences, it doesn't belong in your story. We, well, there let's are do ton- one. Um, Let's
0: pick a decision and we'll follow the ripples.
1: Okay. If anybody has a suggestion for one they'd like us to follow the ripples on, it has got to be a fandom we can work with. So, right, don't, is, don't don't throw right, me a supernatural MCU, thing.
0: Right, because we don't. MCU, Harry Potter,
1: Stargate, CIS, Y5O, yeah, um, the Hobbit. Um... <clears throat> People be typing. I'm trying to parse
0: the double negatives in that. I don't. <laughs> um, do you mean that Daniel Jackson comes back from ascension with all of his memories, including the memories of being ascended? Ah. He dies. He literally drops dead. We, we know from SG-1 canon that a human body cannot contain the memories of Ascension. We know this because when was his name Arlen comes back. He comes back as a child because a child's brain is more fluid. And he can retain more of his ancient memory. Unfortunately, it quickly atrophies, basically, his brain and he loses everything. Jack O'Neill got an ancient download and it almost killed him. So, if Daniel Jackson came back in fact, the only reason it didn't kill him is because the Asgard suppressed it. So, if Daniel Jackson came back with all his memories from being ascended, he would drop dead.
1: Yeah. So I think Ellie's so far is the easier one to talk to because it has a subtle and so someone one that mentioned I mentioned that Bilbo refuses to go on the quest because the dwarves are so rude. Um,
0: well, because the, the Hobbit is written basically from Bilbo's point of view. There's no story. that's it's the end of the story. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. that. Um, if you want to explore the ripples of what happened to the dwarves, that's um, Yeah, what the ramifications would be of Bilbo not being along, but from a Bilbo's perspective, it's over. That's it.
0: I think the biggest implication um, is that they all get eaten by trolls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, assuming, or at least not all of them would survive. But let's 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 delve. We could come back to that one maybe. Let's delve into this idea of Daniel Jackson goes on the expedition.
0: Okay, so the original expedition yes um, I, i'm
1: assuming let's let's go with the original expedition um so let's let's look at the let's let's look at the ramifications to 'cause there's ramifications both to s g one the to the stargate side and there's ram- to the s g c and ramifications to atlantis so let's let's look at the ramifications on atlantis because it's exploring the ramifications of where he is is more interesting than the ramifications of where he's not so jackson goes
0: Mm, he butts heads with Elizabeth immediately
1: immediately he's got I was gonna say, yeah that my first thought was it's all about he he and Elizabeth are going to go ahead to head you're going to be head to head on that one because
0: if if Jackson goes he's going to be the second civilian I mean, he's going to be second in command basically he has the most experience of any civilian on the city and the IOA if, if they let Daniel Jackson go to Pegasus if he's not in charge he's second and the moment that Elizabeth started arguing with John Shepard about rescuing Marshall Sumner, it would have been on Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Because Daniel Jackson knows what it means to, to be left behind. He's not going to let her make that kind of dumbass argument.
1: Mm-hmm. Which and means he's... John
0: could get there sooner and actually rescue Marshall Sumner.
1: Mm-hmm. And Sumner could then live. And Daniel... Um, Elizabeth is often touted in stories as being her her values as a diplomat. Daniel's a way better diplomat.
0: The Fact of the matter is is if Daniel Jackson goes on the mission, the IOA might put him in charge from the get.
1: He's yeah, if he's willing to go, and 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 the SEC is willing to let him go. Yeah, so he could. So, but even if Elizabeth, so let's say you want to, Let's say you want Elizabeth there because let's say what you want to write is that Daniel Elizabeth thing um Elizabeth could have enough pull to still keep herself in charge uh, but Daniel's got so much he is he's like this combination of military and civilian because he still has so much tactical experience at that point that he's not going to be okay with the civilian minded decisions um not not all of them that Elizabeth made so she wouldn't stay in charge for very long yeah no. And you'd have to decide, this is something you'd have to, one of the things you have to decide is how the city would respond to Daniel. Um, I, I'm often, um, I don't know if Daniel had the ATA gene. I think in canon he doesn't, but he has been ascended. So, I mean, I've read in more than one story where the city responds very positively to Daniel, even though he doesn't have um, the gene. So, but if I did
0: send Daniel Jackson into Pegasus on the mission, if he doesn't have the gene, he would definitely, the, the therapy would work for him.
1: Yeah. But Daniel, just the therapy happened so quickly. And uh, with Daniel there, and Daniel being a little bit more, he's, I think he can be the absent-minded professor sort. But I think he would have more questions about the source of that gene therapy. So Mm, it's my headcanon, my headcanon. This is what I'm writing in Atlantis Codex that the gene therapy for the, to activate the recessive ATA gene was ready on earth. It was, it was done. It was tested. Carson had finished it. But what that therapy didn't do, and it had been peer reviewed and everything, but what it didn't do was it did not give somebody who didn't have the recessive gene the gene therapy it didn't give them the ata gene they weren't Mm -hmm. splicing the gene on uh, into people and so elizabeth didn't want him to to release it as is because it wasn't going to help her she wanted him to wait till they got to the city to refine the therapy hopefully with information they would find on the city so that she could get the ata gene
0: i buy it it makes perfect sense
1: so Daniel is going to potentially know, if you go with something like that, he is going to potentially know that and look, dig into it and find out. He's going to say, wait a minute, you didn't finish this on Earth? Wasn't that the reason why you were brought into the SGC when you were brought in, was to finish this therapy? And that you know, then he can get Rodney involved, they can dig into it, and find out that yes the therapy is finished and rodney can even you know Miko could say that they even reviewed a therapy that seemed reasonable or the medical department or maybe daniel has insight that the medical department that the chief um medical officer that was that interim person at the time i don't think it was carolyn lamb yet was it it was um what was her i can remember her name
0: i gave i gave her a first name in interim because i don't think she had one um but um, I used her in interim. Um,
1: I, I used her in Atlantis Codex, but I can't remember what her name is. Anyway, but it was that interim person then. So what if her, she had already reviewed the therapy and had approved it or had approved it for trials with, you know, whatever, but only for those who were, had AT, recessive AT gene? And Daniel and Rodney dig into it and find out this is going on. And then when they ask some questions, they find out from Carson who... It's like, oh yeah, she asked me to wait till we got to the city to see if we could find more information about the therapy. And so maybe the therapy they have actually is viable. Um Mm -hmm. it's the therapy that he could
0: that could get her kicked off the exhibition before they ever leave Earth.
1: Yeah, actually, investigated there. Yeah. If it's investigated there. Yeah. But so um they could dig into that, and Daniel digs into the therapy and goes, okay, so we've got a therapy that works, but you're here working on something else. And find out that the reason why they hadn't given the therapy to anybody on Earth to be tested and trialed in in safe conditions was because Elizabeth asked him to hold on to it. So it was never trialed in a safe way, because she got him to say that it wasn't ready. So if you... You could look in, so you could dig into Daniel could be a catalyst, not because, and you, I think one of the things you have to be careful with here is is not letting Daniel get all Mary Sue. But Daniel could be a catalyst because of the way he is in canon to ask questions that other people might not have asked because of the situation. Um, will any of the Marines who have any experience on that expedition are going to... Um, Probably have some familiarity with Daniel and probably trust him
0: um, a lot more than they would Elizabeth, who they don't know.
1: Right. So if it came to a push pull between Elizabeth and Daniel, it could very easily they would, you know, a majority of the expedition would would go with Daniel.
0: Well, the thing is, is even the civilians would have more experience with Daniel Jackson than they would her. Mm-hmm. He's been with the program since the beginning.
1: Right. And he let's
0: look at events in SG one. Okay. Because without Daniel Jackson on the Prometheus, well, let's back up a little further. They send the Prometheus out in response to letters home. It's got Daniel Jackson on it. It gets hijacked by Vala, which is honestly the the beginnings of the Ori plotline. Um because she comes to earth with the bracelets and they end up in Merlin's cave and they do that machine and they hit the origin galaxy through the machine and that whole fucked up thing happens in the burning and it was it was terrible. Anyways, um so if Daniel Jackson is one of the ones sending a letter home. I don't remember how the Prometheus got stopped. Was it a distress signal? I don't remember how she ended up on board the Prometheus. I only watched that season
1: once. I I, I stopped watching that season partway through because the Ori plotline upset me so much.
0: It was very upsetting. Um,
1: I got par- I got to the burning episode, and I that was like the last episode I saw. And I've just tried to block out anything else that happened. Anything I did see, the episode where they burn was the last episode that I saw. Of Stargate she One.
0: Well, the um, fact is, is if Daniel Jackson is one of the ones sending home a letter, he sends it home to his team. Which means that Jack O'Neill could put a fire under somebody's ass, and the Prometheus goes out earlier, much earlier, and it doesn't even cross paths with Vala.
1: No? the thing is, I, things are going to. Would they if if they rescue Sumner earlier? If there's not that delay, and they rescue Sumner earlier, and John managed to sneak in and get everybody out, and they got them off the Hive ship. And they don't kill that queen. The wraith never get woken. It's just that one hive ship that has no idea where these people came from.
0: Well, not the one ship. There's more than one because during this time of uh, the mass uh, hibernation, right? Ronan's world was called to extinction,
1: right? So there's more than one, but I mean, there's just not all of them, right? So you've got if if they don't if they get him out sooner. The thing is the Athosians, all that they would know is it about that the last planet they called were the Athosians, right? They wouldn't know about Atlantis. Would they? She doesn't feed on Sumner, she wouldn't know about it. If they don't kill her, it doesn't wake the rest of the Wraith.
0: The question is: Is how long did she have Sumner before John rescued them? Is well, Sumner in the cages with the rest of the prisoners?
1: I think he was for a while because he volunteered to go. Remember? I don't. They they hauled some people. They, actually, they took some people out. They hauled some people out. The Ethiopians out. I think some of the Ethiopians were taken out and killed, but. I thought that Sumner was in there and he volunteered to go and they came back and they tried to take somebody. I don't remember who. But I could be remembering that episode wrong. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Um,
0: but if he gets there before Sumner is exposed to the queen, then she doesn't learn about the new feeding ground.
1: Right. And she doesn't get killed, doesn't wait the other wraith. She's got a mystery on her hands. Who who came in and took their prisoners?
0: She's a big bad to leave in the to leave in the play. I mean, yes. But see the thing is, is this mystery could actually make her wake up their other race anyway. She's the keeper. If she's if she's if her prisoners and her food is taken from her by ship from what was supposed to be a primitive planet. Then she already has more information than she needs. Is that the kind of mystery that would have her wake up the rest of the wraith in fury?
1: Well, what if they destroyed the whole hive rather than? Well,
0: the thing is, is the keeper's death woke up the other wraith? She didn't wake them up with some mental call. Her actual death caused it. Mm,
1: true. So it was her her death is what woke them up. So whether they kill her, no matter which way she dies, um, and I don't think you could capture her
0: either because she is telepathic, and apparently she's a really old fucking queen. So either way,
1: so she, she gets so she gets killed either way because um, Penumbria points out that she knows about the beacon necklace of Talos, which would um, which would lead them. Straight to Atlantis, Atlantis. which
0: would be which could be a plot point that you could explore if you didn't want to kill the queen. Yeah, but I don't think that Sumner would agree to leave that ship intact.
1: Oh no, I don't. It's a huge
0: threat. It's a huge threat. I mean, I think his first first foremost order upon entering that jumper he didn't know existed would be. (laughs) Just insist that they destroy that hive, yeah.
1: And so then you've got an interesting dynamic between on the city, which is that Sumner, the wraith, are probably gonna be waking up anyway, okay? So that's gonna happen no matter what. Um, but Sumner is gonna have a very different perspective now about John because he's been rescued from certain death because maybe he's seen maybe he is with the queen when they rescue him and he's seen the um the prior dead right he's seen what happens to people and he sees what kind of threat the wraith are so the sumner is going to perceive john very differently because john now did for sumner what john got in trouble in afghanistan for Which is going after somebody, right? Um, But he's also Sumner's also going to probably have a different perspective of Daniel, which is that Daniel over maybe overthrew Elizabeth as the leader of the expedition because she was refusing to help. So Sumner is now the ramifications then of Daniel's presence. The ripples now are: well, what is if Sumner's alive because of Daniel's presence on the city? Well, what are the ripples of that? Because Sumner being alive could change things quite a lot because it depends on his reaction to John and his
0: reaction to Daniel, who he probably knows very well,
1: yeah, so but it it, it still could change things quite a lot because he has a lot yeah. more, he has a lot of tactical experience and tactical experience at the SGC because it's worth saying that even if John had a lot of tactical um experience, he didn't have it with aliens on other planets. So he may have had a lot of wartime experience, assuming you write it that way, but he didn't have the same experience Sumner had in the SGC. He didn't have experience dealing with other races. He didn't have experience with firefights and other planets. Um, And so between Daniel and, what they had was they had a city full of people who were remarkably inexperienced in handling these kinds of situations. And Sumner and Daniel, what they bring to that situation is a ton of SGC experience.
0: A ton, a ton. And it would be really interesting. And I think that it would also, um, and John coming for Sumner, I think it would really change their dynamic a lot because it's a demonstration of loyalty that a man like Sumner couldn't, couldn't overlook. Right. And couldn't disrespect
1: and maybe Sumner doesn't know what the black mark was about. Maybe he just saw that John got in trouble for defying orders and maybe Sumner finally has a conversation with that says, I want to hear about what happened in Afghanistan. And he finds out that the thing that John was in trouble for was for the exact same thing that he did for Sumner. And maybe Sumner wants that kind of guy in his command. So you could write Sumner more positively. Um, And you, and then, so then, so you've got that. So you've you've got some basics, like that's the first episode, right? So that you've got the basics there. And then what you have to do to figure out what the ripples are on Atlantis, if that's your focus is what's happening on Atlantis is you have to figure out the ripples, um, of, um, every episode, everything that they did in canon. Because if it, if it was a decision of Elizabeth, if she's not in control, then that thing didn't happen, right? So if, but then you have to ask, would it have happened Would somebody else have made the same choice? Uh, would Sumner have put the teams together the same way? So everything then is up for grabs. And you have to consider a difference in leadership. You have to consider um, this kind of, I think Daniel and Sumner are both like a stabilizing influence. You know? I think that they absolutely, with Sumner in command, would absolutely have an alpha site. So security protocols would be very different. Janai would never get a hold of the city. Um, It just things would just go. And and how how each event would happen would depend on how what you're trying to accomplish and what your interpretation of the characters are but you would have to look at every single episode to determine would this would these events still come to play out because some events are kind of like yeah it'd probably still happen and it'd probably happen in a lot the same way and they're not worth exploring and not everything's worth exploring on screen because um that's boring to retell the episodes just from another perspective, but you need to zoom in on the parts that really matter and give mentions of the other things that changed. And then, yeah, I think if you're, if you're in looking into what happened on um, earth as a result of Daniel being gone, you could make the case, like Kira said that the Prometheus got to Pegasus a lot sooner.
0: If it, even if it left a day sooner, yeah, because if because if Daniel Jackson is like calling in for reinforcements, Jack O'Neill's being like, "What's taking you so fucking long? The space monkey needs help. Are you done yet? I'm gonna go borrow a mothership. I'll be back. <laughs> because there's gonna come a point where he's gonna be like, you know, fuck this. No, I'm gonna go talk to Tilt. The Jaffada Asians have probably got a couple of these laying around. I'm gonna take my ass to Pegasus and a
1: mothership. We're gonna do something. Because Jack would take it a lot more personally that somebody he cared about was out there in trouble versus um, you know, a Yeah. I mean it's 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 ugly, but it's true. Yeah. Well, but that's Canada SG1, right? They've been over backwards when it was when he when they hit that their team. But if it was another team, a lot of times they didn't go that extra mile, and that's that's the truth. Maybe they didn't. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying they liked it, but they still you didn't see the extremes to rescue um, some of these some, some to do stuff for some of these other teams. So,
0: like the team that in, it ended up being who were probably, I guess, is inst- still an SG1 canon, dying in that black hole. Um, yeah. Sam was more interested in the scientific aspects than the humanity of it. But if it had been one of her team members on the other end of that, it would have been an entirely different thing. Yeah.
1: Well, the truth is they'd never put any of the SG-1 team in a no-win situation. And the reason they... And they they were told they were told with scientific certainty you cannot open the Stargate up to that planet again or you will destroy the Earth. You have no choice. And the thing is they wouldn't put members of SG-1 in a lose-lose situation like that because it wouldn't have been good for the show. Right, but, but yeah, if Daniel called for reinforcements They wouldn't just wait for the Prometheus To be ready They would do whatever they have If Prometheus couldn't Jack be ready
0: Jack can call the Asgard Get me to
1: Pegasus He has a beacon Right now
0: It would be really interesting if he did Because then they could pick up the feral Asgard Before they kidnap Rodney <laughs>
1: So there are a lot of you know so the ripples the immediate ripples are like one set of things to work out then there are the the like looking at all of the episodes to figure out okay well, now that you've done your setup you've got this change that you've made what is the impact to the canon you know where in in out there um cuz sg if if they're out there in Atlantis they're still going to encounter some of these same people they're going to be going on some of these same missions some of the things are going to go the same Potentially. And it's a matter of what do the different players, how does it factor into that? How does it change in operating procedure? If operational security is tighter, do some of the same things happen? Um, You know, so there's
0: just... First and foremost, I think that as much as I enjoy the Sojan timeline, I don't think Sumner nor Daniel Jackson would Have been all that intent on letting the Athosians live on the city. I mean, Daniel Jackson is, um, he's got a good heart, but he's not, um, he's savvy enough to know that that was that that's a mistake. Number one, the city is not really ready for their occupation, much less the occupation of people who don't who aren't around this kind of technology and never have been. Um, two, there's lots of moving parts. Of a society like the Azocians. There's a whole bunch of little children. Who have no business on that city.
1: Wasn't it a child who found the, rep- the, the transporters?
0: Yes. Um, and also found the monster. That almost killed them all. Um, the energy creature. So. I honestly think that Daniel Jackson. Um, would have been like. Okay we're going to have to find a place to settle on. Uh, a new planet to settle on. I don't think they'd have been invited to stay. On Atlantis indefinitely
1: no i agree and it could be that the, that the mainland thing winds up working out but it just happens sooner um and maybe they do invite taylor as an ambassador for if you want to keep taylor you could make a justification that one person who's like in a leadership position with her people as like an ambassador or working with them because she wants to help maybe she's offering to help acclimate them to the city to I mean, to life in pegasus and help them that there's justifications for them keeping one or two people, or rotating people in, or something, but letting all of them live there. I do think Daniel would be more pragmatic about that. Even though I think well, he's the city off- is
0: dangerous. The city is dangerous. It's it's not been maintained. It was just why would you take that kind of risk?
1: Right, and the fact that they had no backup place to go once the city almost self destructed on them. Right, like they almost died. Like the city, the city rose. Rose. If it hadn't, they'd all died. Which actually. A, in Canon they did all die because the city didn't rise.
0: They all you know, that's, oh that's interesting. Because what if now that that's your idea about the um gene therapy thing. Um okay, so old weir is she discovered before or after your um codex thing happens?
1: Old Weir after after.
0: Because she is proof that Elizabeth's selfishness originally caused the expedition to be destroyed. Because if there were more gene carriers, it might have made a difference. They might have been able to gain control of the city quicker if there had been more gene carriers coming through the gate. Yeah. But because she held back the gene therapy,
1: they had a very small handful of people. Right, who could understand or feel, and John anything.
0: couldn't be. John couldn't be everywhere at once. Right, it was too much.
1: Just, you know, interesting thought. Yeah. So if you have, um, I think that because of the fact, I think somebody with with Daniel's practical experience and and Sumner's tactical experience, the fact that they all almost died first, rattled out of the gate, literally, uh, would. Make them set up a backup, not just an alpha site, but, you know, a place where they can evacuate to in the event that that something happens and they're all in jeopardy. There shouldn't have been a, we've got to, you know, we've got to find a backup place to go, you know. That should have been, like, one of the first things they set up is, a, like, an off-world colony location.
0: Honestly, it probably should be in a planet closest to the Milky Way that has a gate. Yeah
1: or the, the closest they are to home or alternately in the event that they are without power what the a planet very close to them it, 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 the planet they're on so that they can get to it by jumper um yeah. so and you know uh, it's just the with with their situation gating in and out directly to the city was just always a stupid idea um
0: the city flooded because there wasn't um, enough power to to keep the gate open. Um, um, to keep the shield up, because when they came in and activated the city, the
1: the shield fell the and shield, they drowned. They drowned.
0: They they drowned. But if there had been enough gene carriers coming into the city, they might have been able to lift the city off the ocean floor themselves, and they wouldn't have needed an automatic program to do it for them.
1: Right. They might have been it's able a maybe,
0: to... but it's an interesting maybe.
1: It also you, know? you could also it's argue like a, it,
0: it's a what if. It's you, a what if.
1: You could also argue that based upon that theory, okay, that the only person's account we have for what happened is Elizabeth's. There's no computer records. It's not like they spit out a video showing Elizabeth talking to Janice, right? So her account is the only one we have. You could change that to be anything.
0: And you don't have to believe what she says. Right. Just because she said it doesn't make it true.
1: Right. Exactly. So, so Canon says that that's what happened, but the only person who relayed that is old Elizabeth.
0: And her motivations have always been circumspect to
1: me. Did I say that wrong? You said circumspect, which is the exact opposite of what you meant. Oh, okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like
0: I know what I meant, it just didn't come out right it's just, yeah
1: but I think I think that it's an, if it, it, it's really interesting to because you do have to figure out what's happening, even though, if, if let's say your story is based in Atlantis, and honestly to me that's where the interesting stuff is happening is if Daniel's along for the expedition, the Atlantis side is there, so let's say you're focusing there you do kind of need to still work out the stuff that's happening with SG-1, because it has an impact on Atlantis Eventually, so you. But working that stuff out, it is. I think it's a like a fascinating thought exercise in how those things would um, how it ch- would change. <laughs>
0: here's here's an interesting ripple. You know how on SG one they had that whole episode where Cameron was trying to get the you know the band back together.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Whenever <laughs> so, so
0: okay, so so he can't get Daniel Jackson, so he's like well, if I can't have Daniel Jackson, I need to have his substitute. Where is Jonas Quinn?
1: <laughs> yeah, you could even call that, You could in your plot notes, you could call it, where in the world is Jonas Quinn?
0: <laughs> if I can't have Daniel Jackson, I need a Jonas Quinn.
1: <laughs> and if I can't have a Jonas Quinn, I need another really qualified anthropologist. Somebody find me one. <laughs> Who's Blair Sandberg? Sure, whatever. Hire him. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It would be, you know,
0: that would be a funny aside that he's trying to put the band back together, but he can't have a Daniel Jackson, so
1: he's going to need a substitute. Okay. Okay, so there's that one. So the other one that somebody mentioned was Bilbo refusing to go on the quest. So we talked about from Bilbo's perspective, the story's over. But if you want to tell the story from the dwarves' perspective, hmm. There's a curious thing here
0: because Bilbo is a very good person. Um, he's got a good heart. So maybe like in Canon, he tells them to kick rocks, um, and they go off about their business and he doesn't have that epiphany in the morning about the 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 song that they sang in the in, in their home. Um, and he doesn't sign the contract and run run after them. Um but there could be another point where he says, "You know what? I, I think I've made a mistake." So even if he says no, because they're rude assholes, um, I think that his I think that his good heart would get the better of him, I and mean, he might hopefully catch up with them before they get eaten by
1: trolls. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you really want to write a story where Bilbo just doesn't go on the quest at all then conceivably the story you're writing is the story about the dwarves what that looks like without bilbo i'm i'm having like a i'm struggling a little bit not because i can't think of what the ramifications would be but because it doesn't seem very interesting um well it's not the hobbit it isn't the hobbit it's just kind of it's because it's not it's not a, it's not a story about a hobbit the hobbit's not even a hobbit involved um he doesn't get the ring um the one ring stays with Gollum um until i guess it finds somebody else it wants to escape to so it just becomes it's, it's just a very different
0: the ramifications are huge if he doesn't get the ring
1: yeah and the lord of the rings that's huge so i mean i
0: mean that could that could actually put the ring in sauron's hands
1: yeah so you have to kind of consider what what it is you're trying to do by not having Bilbo go along. So I would think that in general, you're trying to get Bilbo to go along in another way. Um, it could be that maybe he needs some more intervention. Um, but why would Dece come to the Shire to explain to Bilbo if the quest hasn't? I'm struggling with I'm struggling with why she would do that because it's not like Thorm was communicating with her through the quest. So, she wouldn't
0: even know that he hadn't um his sister would have no idea that
1: Yeah, so but what if what if Yvanna is like Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Um but what if Yvanna kind of like just disappeared? There's to-
0: not enough time for that to happen though.
1: Yeah, you don't have a because
0: they are several weeks of travel away from the blue mountains, like 2 weeks, 3 weeks on horse, our pony. Um so by the time she would reach the shire, the dwarves would have already been eaten by the trolls. And Bilbo would still be in the shire. So this needs to happen like within say even, like within the day or the day after. Um and he would have to travel pretty hard to catch up with them.
1: Or you know, if there's like godly intervention of of a, a type of God anyway, like Mahal goes and you know kicks his wife and go. We were supposed to have a hobbit. Your flower said no, and she's like, "What? He did? <laughs> he did not? Like, oh yes, he did." And um, <laughs> she goes and talks to Bilbo. Has dream appears in a dream or something. And he's like, "But I can't catch up to them now. How am I supposed to travel there by myself?" And she's like, "Well." you're going to get help, alright? I'm going to send you somebody to help you, you're just going to have to deal with it. And like a giant eagle. it would be an eagle. <laughs> Unless
0: Thorn is still circling the Shire, because he got lost. Yeah. Um, I think Dwalin would have probably taken over before um, at, at some point to keep them from walking around in a circle.
1: Yeah. But, so, you, I think that you, I think that To me, Bilbo saying no, absolutely not, would be you're desiring a hook of some some other sort, right? You're wanting some other way for him to go. Unless you
0: just want to tell a story about the dwarves going on the quest without Bilbo, which would be interesting, I guess... But really, for me, uh, the Hobbit fandom is attractive because of Bilbo, or if they're writing Rule 63, um, whatever they've decided to call the female version of Bilbo, I call her Bella. That's my favorite. Bella Donna, or Bella Rose, um, after her mom. Um, so, uh, it's just- I picked Rose because the, of the naming tradition of, of naming girls after flowers. Um, but, uh, so Bella Rose... But I don't mean is is my favorite.
1: I just don't think that there's a Hobbit fandom without the Hobbit. But if you, I think if you really want something that's right, very dwarf centric, you could write anywhere in their time period. It doesn't have to be the quest. But I do think if you want to explore how the quest is a flop without Bilbo, you could certainly do that. And I think it's pretty easy to follow the the ripples of where Bilbo had a huge impact on the quest. It just would feel a little melancholy to me. I. I wouldn't go there personally.
0: And it's and it's fucking sad enough as it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to make it worse. <laughs> so, it's just it it's just not the it's not the path I would go down personally, but um well, what would be really interesting is to um Thorin came from a meeting with the um the other lords. The other, the other lords try to get support for the quest. That's where he was coming from. That's why he wasn't with the others.
0: And so what would be really interesting is if you wanted to tell a Hobbit story, uh, I would actually find it very interesting to have a story central on Thorin before he gets to the Shire. And maybe having it end with him. And if you wanted to do a little fix-it with it, um, it could be a personal journey for him. Um, to kind of get his head on straight. Especially if he did it in time travel. And he's being punished. So he has to go on this quest by himself. To to, to prove to Mahal. That, that he's actually ready to be the king. That he should be. Um, and it ends with him knocking on the door. To meet Bilbo. Again for the first time. Where he's much much more polite. <laughs> and doesn't call him a grocer. <laughs> and maybe presents him with a gift of food
1: <laughs> yeah um oh, really interesting so, oh. so the clarification was that maybe a a few more days to find another thief by the time um they get another thief they've passed where the trolls were and so they miss them okay so you've you've eliminated one one problem but it still don't see the hook that you're what you're going for that's that's mitigating a specific ripple but what is the ho- okay so you've what it, so what's the point? What is the hook of uh, of telling the story of the dwarves without Bilbo? Cuz the the how you what what you focus on and the ripples you explore all depends on the purpose of your story. So if it's just an exploration of um okay, so it's just if it's just an exploration of the of the of the dwarves without Bilbo, it's kind of bleak because I think he brought a lot to their journey. I don't think their journey would have been successful without him. I don't think they would have defeated the dragon without him i don't think the dwarves would have gotten their home back um i think middle earth could have tanked as kira pointed out so in terms of exploring the ripples of that it's kind of a bleak story to me it's like to me like the anti-fix it to explore the hobbit without bilbo in it
0: it would be a dystopia in a lot of ways because you don't know where the ring is and where the ring surfaces would be would has the potential to be horrific because if it doesn't end up on Sauron's hand, it ends up on Sauron's hand, um, which is actually, I think, worse. Because Sauron is a specter, um, but Sauron is is the White Wizard. Um, And you know anything about Tolkien um, mythology, the White Wizard is the most knowledgeable of them all. So, their colors represent their their knowledge and magical ability, um which is why we see Gandalf go from dark gray in the Hobbit to a much lighter gray in um, Lord of the Rings, and then finally to Gandalf the White, because he ascended to knowledge. Um, so, without the ring, without Frodo, Gandalf doesn't ascend to the white.
1: Which is a big problem for Middle-Earth. So sometimes, and, and the reason why I just kind of, I asked the question about the hook is because sometimes when somebody presents me with a, well, what if this? I can envision what the hook might be. And a quest without, without Frodo, like Kira says, it lends itself to dystopian. Because
0: um, yes, yeah, Sauron is trusted at this point. Um, and he knows that he's looking for the ring. He actually, in canon, um, Saruman had um, what's his face? Um, The brown wizard. Radagast. Searching for the ring. Radagast. Radagast was searching for the ring. Long before, I think, even Gollum picked it up. Um, But he couldn't find it. So is has been looking for the ring. But without Gandalf ascending to the white. He's not, the reason, one of the reasons why he ascends to the White is not because he's killed or, you know, by the Balrog or he fell, but because he let go of the last of his fear. In that moment, and he said, you shall not pass. It wasn't about, it was about letting go of his fear. Because one of the reasons, he didn't even want to come to Middle-earth because he was afraid.
1: Yeah, Gandalf did not want to.
0: He was like... The Eru forced him. He said, "You, you have to go. You must go." So, in that moment, when he when he stood before the Balrog, a fallen Maya, just like he, just it was one of his own who had fallen. He he let go of the last of that fear, and he ascended into the white. How does that happen? I mean, Bilbo finding the ring is such a. Um, It's an epicenter when it comes to the story of Lord of the Rings. Um, and if, because it leads to Frodo, which leads to Gandalf's ascension to the White. So it's... Um, since Gandalf made that sacrifice for Frodo. Yeah.
1: So this is... There are some people who write a very... Who like to write a very dystopian storyline. And so this could be a kind of... like thought exercise for you but i don't write dystopian so that's why it's hard for me to see a hook that's appealing in bilbo not going on the quest because it has such far-reaching ramifications for the dwarves um it's a very interesting idea i just (sighs) wouldn't want to write it
0: i wouldn't want to read it no no it would be so miserable it would be it would be such misery
1: but it, it it is an interesting exploration of the ripple effect. It's just it's not a, it's not a good story, honestly, for me. Not a good story. Some people like I said, if you're if you're really into the dystopian thing and that's the kind of that's your jam, you're welcome. Here's a plot idea for you.
0: <laughs> but it does speak to consequences and ripples because on the on the top of it, on the top of it, Bilbo deciding that the dwarves are rude, so he's not going to go on their quest doesn't seem like a problem. Until you Dig deep until you realize that what Bilbo won't be there for. Well, number one, if the dwarves never make it to Erebor, that dragon is still in play for Lord of the Rings. That dragon is there and is available to be manipulated by Sauron and Sauron, which is the whole reason why Gandalf wanted the quest to happen to begin with. To, to take that weapon off the table. And smog is a weapon. So if the dwarves are not in control of Erebor. They can't fortify the east. They, The dragon is there as a threat. No one knows where the ring is. And because eventually Sauron does. His forces do get their hands on Gollum. That tells me if Gollum still had the ring. They would get the ring at that point. How did they notice it Gollum out? Is it because he was tainted by the ring so much that he drew the ring wraith?
1: Or they caught him different separate from that and um and it was obvious once they had him that he had been tainted by the ring. So either way,
0: the the ring falls into Sauron's hands. Whether or not he actually gives it over to Sauron is is another matter altogether. Yeah. So yeah, the Battle of Isengard would take would be a very different situation with smog and play. Um, just well, the entirety of Middle Earth would would fall. And that would actually be really interesting. Actually, a, a different a different take on that. What if Bilbo doesn't go on the quest and everything goes to hell? Everything. Everything burns. And he finally dies and he stands before Galanna. And she says, "Do you remember the night?" That Gandalf brought to your table 13 dwarves. And Billa was like, yeah, those rude assholes. And she tells him. That everything that took place. Happened because he said no. Then she says, would you like another chance. To get it right. And she sends him back in time.
1: Well, I can definitely see how it's a good, it's a good setup for time travel.
0: Um, that's the only way I could probably write it would be that it was time travel. And then I would probably start it with his death. His actual death. Because I wouldn't want to write anything that's going on around him when it's happening. Just the whole thing. Um,
1: but yeah. But then I think you have to be careful that like. You can't have things because now Bilbo's got knowledge, right? Because um, his knowledge is is actually kind of useless. Well, but conceivably, y- Yvonne told him something. Um, because the
0: thing is, without the ring, Bilbo would have died before um,
1: worst of the stuff happened. Right. Right. So he would. Bilbo experienced- lived a
0: very, very, very long time because um, of what happened. Of um, because of the ring, he w- he lived probably thirty or forty years more than he should have. Right.
1: Yeah, he lived a long. I don't remember exactly how much longer. Well, I don't remember how old was he when he went to the Undying Lands.
0: He was one hundred and thirty-one. One hundred thirty-one. Okay. Is, yeah. which, um, which is very old for a Hobbit.
1: So I, I think that if you're using as an, if if she's giving him time travel, she's gonna he's gonna have seen in order for him to have the impetus to go back, he's going to have to have been able from the afterlife to see the world burn and have, and the tells him that you, you could prevent this. Um, but I think he's going to, I think it's going to be important that she tell him enough that he not feel like he's like a general fighting a cause. Right. Cause that could make Bilbo, you don't want to make Bilbo unlikable. You want him to feel like he's still him. As Mm -hmm. opposed to a man on a mission, because that could be a little unappealing. Um, I think he
0: needs to be, he he would need to be earnest, but you don't want to, you wouldn't want to drag him down too much into the grief mm
1: -hmm.
0: that he would bring back with him because um, it would get in his way.
1: But I guess I think because he saw it from the afterlife and didn't experience it, I think that would give him the emotional distance to not.
0: So you could give him some, like, it would be, like, uh, put him in a position of, of of wisdom and patience. He'd be much more patient than the than the, the Bilbo from canon. He'd be a lot older. Um, and he would know the ramifications of failure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But this wouldn't actually be considered to fix-it. Because you're starting from a place from a complete AU. Well, you can an alternate universe.
1: You can start with a, well, you can start with a problem of your own creation, as long as what you're fixing then is canon. But as we talked about that, the, the issue becomes is when you start from a place that's not canon, and you fix something that's not canon.
0: Well, see, the neither is canon because Bilbo does go on the quest in canon, and the ring does end up in Frodo's hands.
1: Right, so the question then becomes, what are you fixing?
0: Well, you're fixing the problem that you made, <laughs> which is Bilbo not going on the quest.
1: Right. So, but, but, well, no, I mean, yes, in that reg- in that regard, but that you could fix something else, right? Like your fix could be um, giving Bilbo and, and Thorin a better relationship because Thorin, Bilbo, well, they saw. certainly need one. Oh my god! <laughs> or preventing your your so you create so. You, it all depends upon what you're this is where the purpose when it comes to a fix it this is where the purpose is really important because if what you're trying to accomplish with your fix it is preventing the durance from dying by preventing thorin from succumbing to the gold sickness you could have this whole setup be to that aim that bilbo um now he (laughs) would have been a perfect answer back dark yeah she says you look like a grocer. And You look
0: like an asshole. <laughs> I can actually see Martin Freeman saying that. It would have been really funny if there was like an outtake of, of him actually saying that shit. <laughs> oh, I know but a lot of you probably already know this, but when I was um actually when I was researching and writing for my aliens fic in RT, the dude that plays Asher. On the original alien ash ash um on really A- the original alien, the synthetic that tries to murder Ripley, that's Bilbo from the movies, Lord of the Rings. It's the same actor. I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never delved deeply into IMDB on that one.
0: I was like, oh my God. <laughs> because that actually that dude and was more scary to me than the alien and aliens in alien because he was he was in your face and he was real and he tried to murder her um, and the whole thing with the magazine i i read the the their reasoning behind that and i'm not going to repeat it but it's horrific um, <clears throat> he's a very good actor in home. So, in the quantum bang, you can make a problem and then fix it.
1: Not the problem. You, you can't fix the problem you created, but you can use a problem of your own creation as a catalyst to fix something in canon. So, okay. um, so for instance, if but um, I, mean,
0: I have no ideas. I have zero ideas right now,
1: <laughs> which is well, really weird for me. It's really weird. We talked it's about this. Place to be. We talked about one of my ideas last year when we talked. I think we did a podcast, of something about like fix it. And um, I talked about like a teen wolf idea I had um, that actually for a while was a contention for the QB, where basically the world, like a future Beacon Hills, just sort of goes to hell in a handcart, a sort of hell mouth type situation. And uh, Peter Hale is given the opportunity to travel back in time. Um, and so his time travel was a problem of my own creation he was time traveling in response to a problem of my own creation Um, and his presence in the past however was fixing canon so um yeah so i used a problem of my own creation creation as the impetus in that plot as the impetus for time travel as the impetus for him to do something but he would have been fixing events in canon and a lot of times with time travel, you kind of have to have some sort of non-canon impetus for it, um, because time travel doesn't happen in the canon of most shows.
0: Yeah, true. I was actually worn out before I got to July, and July was just like the I don't know. It just kinda I was done. I was
1: like kind of worn out. I was <sighs> Yeah. But in the example we gave tonight about of if If you create, oh, if you burn Middle Earth, and Bilbo time travels, the fix it cannot be about preventing Middle Earth from burning, because that's the problem you created. The fix has to be about something else. So, um, so either you're 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 you have to launch from Canon, or you have to go into Canon and fix it.
0: I still got nothing. I feel like a moron. I mean, I'm I'm never. I I am rarely in a position where I have no ideas. It is actually uncomfortable. Mm.
1: Well, you're kind of... Maybe you're just fried right now. Could be. Could be. I mean, you know. Um, I mean, I've got... I started one idea for... I've plotted a few. But I started one idea for November that's going along so far, so well far so far so far so well that's not the way that goes um but (laughs) it's going fine so far but last year i started at least a dozen stories so you know there's just no telling which one what's going to wind up it could be maybe i'll get lucky this time and the first time will be um magic maybe maybe the first time will be will be the charm first time's the charm this time instead of the 12th that would be nice uh not, not that i ever mind i don't feel like writing is wasted and if i I've, I've got like you know 11 other stories that are started that i could pick up and work on but and, and some of them i have um but um i would i just i just don't like it taking me so long to get clarity around a project that just always i find a little off it it unsettles me
0: I like to have a goal, and I don't have a goal, and it's really, um, it's bullshit. It is bullshit not to have a goal, dudes. I don't even know what to do with myself.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was very frustrated with my writing in July. Um, so, it was, um, although you did kind of zoom in on why. Um... <laughs> yeah,
0: at the very end of the challenge, I was like,
1: Hmm. Yeah. Are you gonna share your epiphany? I don't
0: even want want to talk about it. What a deeply uncomfortable epiphany to have. Which is silliness. But what happened what had happened was (laughs) is that, you know. We talked about the challenge about rewriting the end of movies that we don't like. It seemed really exciting because um there are lots of movies that I think ended badly that I would like to re- kind of rewrite, but really, what I set our what I set us up to do was to write the falling action. And. I actually spend so much time structuring my story to the point where I have a beginning and a middle and an end and I have a climax that I was having a hard time not ramping the action back up to have my own climax. And I was like, hello, asshole, you're supposed to be riding the falling action. And then it clicked with me that i had actually designed a challenge around the thing
1: that I hate the most yeah if there's one part of the narrative structure that i dislike the most it is the falling action so when she said that i just kind of like was just sitting here going oh son of a bitch (laughs) that's that's really the only thing you can think right there son of a bitch (laughs) and yeah you are trying to and the thing is here's the thing about it is is that you are trying to write your own beginning middle and end in that falling action and you're trying to give your story its own climax right so yes you of course you're going to do that so yes i'm going to give my story its own climax isn't as big a climax as the one that was in the movie no so it feels like a letdown
0: it does it does feel like a letdown I, i feel like i didn't i feel deeply unaccomplished even though i finished both of my stories
1: i'm finished either yet i mean i'm working on the climax for defining moment now but it doesn't feel like as big a climax as the actual movie had so it's like i mean some people might people could feel differently about it than i do i don't know but it just for me it's like okay well that the climax in the movie was very big but um sometimes i think to myself i really don't want to know what kind of life ellie lived
0: before she met us So apparently. And you brought this on yourself. That the falling. Just writing the falling action is like. It's like you slip into a body after the orgasm. Instead of have Instead of instead have that awkward getting out of the room. Without waking him. <laughs> Let me give you a piece of advice from experience. If this happens to you again. It doesn't have to be awkward. Just get up. Put on your panties. Get the rest of your clothes. Thank him for the dick
1: and leave. And leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if the dick wasn't that good, don't bother with the thanks. <laughs> right. Um, right. If the dick wasn't great, don't thank him. <laughs> okay. So there, I may have mentioned this before. There's uh, this made me think of this, but there's this um, blanking on the name of the fandom. What the fuck? Uh, X Files. It's there's this is X Files it's sort of a series it was like it was like a two maybe three parts like a trilogy i don't know i don't remember how, if there's two or three there's at least two um where there's this minor character who dies in, the, in the, i can't remember the name of the character either there's this minor character who dies in the canon and the and this character had a big crush on Scully because who didn't have a big crush on Scully? Of course, if you're right, if you're a I didn't even watched it and I had a crush on Scully. <laughs> right, me too. I did watch it and I did have a crush on her. I mean, that's why I picked Jillian as my pen name it was for Jillian Anderson. Anyway, but yeah, I felt I felt I a different. So
0: um, you picked a better spelling.
1: Yeah, I like Jays. What can I say? And I didn't want to deal with all the people who called me Gillian, you know, because you know, whatever. So. But then people started calling me Jill, which actually wound up being worse. But anyway, so there was um, this, in this, in this story, there was a character, this minor character. He's like bemoaning the fact in heaven that the one thing he didn't get to do was ever kiss Scully. That, that's, so he's apparently given some pass for wish fulfillment or something i don't exactly remember how it went but he has a he he has a guardian angel who's who's supposed to allow him to go fulfill this to try to go fulfill this wish and um, there's some problematic issues with body autonomy and stuff in here but in any case so this I don't know if this angel was a prankster or what i don't remember what why the angel kept doing this but the angel kept sending him into bodies that into bodies of people who are in the middle of having sex and <laughs> so the first time i think it's the first time he's drops him into alex krychek's body I think it's crycheck I think that's who's whose brain body he puts him in. And crycheck is in the middle of fucking Mulder when um, <gasps> <gasps> when this happens, right? Well, I think I may have the order of events mixed up, but so in this story, so he's like freaking out, right? Because and I remember I distinctly remember the line, Alex, you're fucking me like a bunny. <laughs> Because he kind of lost control, like, you know, he's like, Why are you fucking me like a bunny? <laughs> I remember that line. <laughs> I remember that line very vividly: the, Why are you fucking me like a bunny? And, um,. <laughs>
0: I don't remember. This should not,
1: I should not be laughing at this. I should not. So this character freaks out, of course, and takes off, right? To go to try and find Scully and kiss her. Well, mind you, Alex is a wanted assassin and he's off trying to kiss an FBI agent. So he's using Alex Krychek's body to go and try and kiss Scully, right? And I don't remember in one of the two stories, he does convince Scully of who he is and he's just there for a kiss. Um Except when he comes back the second time, so he he gets his kiss I think in the first one. When he comes back, the thing is, he keeps thinking about the sex, right? So he keeps thinking about the sex, and I guess Cry I think I think Crychek didn't get off or something in the. So he feels like he owes Crychek an orgasm or something, and he's thinking about the sex. So in the next story. Um, so he asked for another wish fulfillment is to go back and or maybe he I don't remember what his rationale for the second wish fulfillment is again prankster guardian angel here except I, whoever Alex was in a relationship with in the first story has broken up with him over these shenanigans right from the first story and now crycheck is in bed with Walter Skinner but getting <laughs> but getting fucked this time. <laughs> yeah I can see how that would go that way yeah yeah. that that makes sense Uh, it it could be I could could have the story order reversed in my head it could have been that the Skinner one was first and the Mulder one was second but in any case um, when she said that it's like slipping into the body after orgasm my mind went right to this this series of stories (laughs) where this character keeps winding up in Alex and making Alex Krychek's life hell for showing up in his body and 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 appropriating it for a while. So yeah, it did, it really has stuck with me. And I read this probably 20 years ago.
0: Ruining, he's ruining this man's sex life. He
1: needs this he needs to stop. And ruining his relationships because Mulder broke up with him. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's rude. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody has an off moment. Not every like not every woohoo can be awesome.
1: I I learned that in The Sims. <laughs> so I think... Maybe... Oh, no. It was, I remember his, pre- his, his premise for going back. The se- I remember he wanted orgasms. But his premise for going back the second time was that Mulder didn't get off. That he had been an inconsiderate lover. Right? And so he owed... <laughs> molder and orgasm i remember now so he owed molder and orgasm and that was his premise for going back time too and so he can't figure out why he's not going back and then he realizes this because he hasn't fulfilled the terms of his wish which is he has to get molder off so he calls molder trying to make up with them or convince him to have sex or something he's like i gotta get the guy off well, they wind up like having phone sex and he's trying to figure out and Mulder's like tell me Call, call me the name or something like that i don't remember and so he's um he's standing he's, he, he's in a phone booth as i recall he's in a phone booth and he finds out that what molder he figures out that Mulder likes to be called a whore in bed <laughs> so, he, <laughs> so he he's screaming into the phone something about Mulder, you whore or something and they're <laughs> Mind you, he's in Alex Krychek's body. In a phone booth. In a phone booth, and he turns around, and I think it's Skinner and Scully are standing outside the phone <laughs> booth. <laughs> While he's standing out there calling Krychek Alex, I mean, calling Mulder a whore, so... <laughs> Yeah, I haven't thought about this story in a long time, but when Ellie's comment about slipping into the body after orgasm, that's exactly what this made me think of. It's weird the connections the brain makes, but that was the connection my brain made. Well, I, I can guys, see
0: why it stuck with you. I mean, the whole phone book, the, the, the whole phone booth thing.
1: The phone booth thing was everything about, me. I mean, Krychik, none of this, he's not doing any of this stuff, right? But he gets to deal with all the consequences of this guy's <laughs> visit. <laughs> to earth and all the bullshit is is, is now his fault. Right. So he's got Scully Skinner and Mulder all mad at him, um, or mad at Alex Krychek. And he's just now that he's gotten Mulder off, now that Mulder is orgasmed, you know, this guy's fucked off back to heaven. So
0: And there's and there he is in the phone booth. Is he still on the phone with Mulder? Because that would even be funnier. Krychek was, yes. <laughs> he has no memories of this. It's a really fucked up quantum leap.
1: So, I mean, like I said, it's got the same. It's got issues with body autonomy, kind of thing, right? Because, yeah. But um, it was, it was, uh, it's still funny as hell. Uh, Is it still online? I think I I have to remember who wrote it to remember. I want to say the story was called "Anal Sex for Dummies," or one of them was. (laughs) <laughs> um, if I google for that let me see if I can find it
0: I don't even I don't that is not a google term I would ever seek to to put out there
1: oh 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 oh, oh! wait a minute oh no it's, I, I got it it was the fifth hit it was the fifth hit um, that is crazy well because of course I searched for anal sex for dummies and x-files I didn't just search <laughs> okay <laughs> stuff so, out there yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give you guys the link. But um, the first story is called The Kiss. And it was written by Lauren Q and Louise Wu. And it is from 2000. They even have it dated. So it was almost 20 years ago that I read this. And, wow. and the sequel is called Anal Sex for Dummies. And it was written just by Louise Wu. Um, so I'll give you the two links. Uh, I will warn you this trio of authors get can get very dark at times. I remember the authors. I Now that I see the place where it is, I I know these authors, so... They can get very dark, so be careful digging into their site.
0: So mind their warnings, if they have any?
1: Um, The warnings are always... If there's warnings, they're in the stories I recall. Let me click on one of the ones I know is darker and see. Warnings. That just says kink. Um, Warnings. Okay we have strange notion of warnings oh, they don't um okay this story nonconsensual. consensual okay so okay so i'm like down to the story is rape and i'll see what they how they warned us this says non-consensual so that's how they call rape non-consensual so it does have warnings but still be careful um so the first story is called the kiss um and i'm getting the link now
0: She'll put it up in the library for you guys. We are um, actually approaching 2 a.m. my time, so that's like four hours. So um, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us um, this evening as we discuss this. If um, you have any questions about uh, ripples or everything, we're going to have, um, for those of you who are participating in the Quantum Bang, we will have a topic for this particular Series of podcasts because it's not just one. <laughs> I don't know how it possibly could be just one podcast. Um, but I'll put up links in um, the fixer form for those of you who are on the quantum bang and would like, um, if you have any questions. Okay, so, um, we shall uh catch you later. Um, say good night, Jilly.
1: Good night, everyone.